Is that what's happening? It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app on this here Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, Anthony. It's hump day. For me, it's my Thursday because I'm here tomorrow, then I'm out E3K on Friday, and then I'm off for a week. You got Doc Walker for like five, six, stay, you got Doc, Doc's in for a long time. Yep, Doc is in with me all next week except Friday because I will not be here next Friday. Mm. Yeah, really leaving it up to to Doc and whoever. I mean, Doc will have it covered. Doc is a professional. Yeah, Doc is is a man who has done this many years longer than me. Very very talented. Uh, feel fine. Do we know who's filling in for you? That I don't know yet. Mm. Yeah, mm. I'm sure whoever it is, be capable. They'll handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have a good time. And then we'll be back on uh, on that Monday. You will be back on that Monday. I oh. will not be back until that following Wednesday. Oh. Yeah. Well, I got to figure out who's doing the show that Tuesday, especially because your boy will be in Indy. That too. So we won't see each other for like two weeks. Good gracious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in you. Dang, that it is going to be two weeks. Like for real two weeks. <laughs> two weeks from today. Yeah. Well, no, because I'll be in Indy. Oh, man. And it's going to be like Friday to Friday. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Well, Anthony and I will figure out how to cope. Uh, meanwhile, um, hard, hard, hard um, left turn. I do want to – we'll spend uh, some time here on the commander's coaching staff in a moment and some of the latest on that. We'll spend actually most of the show talking about kind of how this has all come together and Anthony Lynn and – uh, Etc. I do want to keep you updated on the tragedy unfolding in Kansas City, just purely on a informational level. Um, there is, it has been a shooting at um, at the parade out in Kansas City. Um, it is uh, people running away. Is near Union Station in Kansas City um, to where you know I've I've been there before. It's uh, you know it's just like an old train station. Um, you know, folks are surrounded uh, or around all of, of the areas where there's thousands, if not 100,000 people out there uh, and shots were fired. Two people have been arrested. Um, both were armed at the time that they were arrested. Um, there are reports of 10 injured, at least uh, one dead. Uh, I saw one report, nine injured. So somewhere, you know, that, that is kind of the baseline. Hopefully that is where those numbers stay. That is often not how these things work. And unfortunately, um, this ultimate expression of joy, the parade where people come together and, you know, show community has, has turned into this this ultimate tragedy, um, a, a mass shooting uh, in Kansas City at the parade. So, um, again, two people have been arrested. It doesn't, you know, we, we don't haven't heard from law enforcement further, whether there are other potential suspects, whatever. I'm sure that is all ongoing, but um, we'll keep you updated if we hear more information. Um, you know, not really going to do takes on that. Um, certainly, I have thoughts, as I'm sure all of you do, on various aspects of this, and we don't really know even how many of those aspects are at play at this point, but we will keep you updated um, because it is a gigantic sporting event that happened, uh, and people certainly have their eyes on it um, all across the sports world uh, and beyond. So um, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, also, on the much less serious but news front, let's do this. I, I will tell you... Um, some of the the news of the day in the commander's world, and then we'll give actual takes, the thing that we normally do 
reactions, thoughts on that next. Uh, the Commanders uh, have made two pretty significant hires. One you have heard of for sure, uh, and then one they uh, that, that you have not. So Nikki Javala has the details on the front office side of this. They're hiring Lions Senior Director of Player Personnel, Lance Newmark as Assistant GM. They're also moving Martin Mayhew into a new role as senior personnel executive and advisor to Adam Peters. Also, interestingly enough, Marty Herney is going to stay in the front office to an extent and take on an advisory role. Um, Herney has a pretty mixed resume in the past. Um, he was responsible for, you know, um, you know, were responsible in part for drafting Cam Newton and some of the, the great picks that they had in those Carolina teams that Rivera did well with. So his, his, you know, and there's also reports that some of the moves that got made here that haven't worked out that he wasn't a super big fan of. So um, he'll stick around. Mayhew and Peters, uh, Adam Peters, of course, the GM, have a, a long history together working, or not a long history, but a history together working together in San Francisco. There's clearly something uh, in terms of his personnel eye that that Peters likes. Um, ultimately, Mayhew is a lead decision maker, did not go very well, but that's the thing is like sometimes people have are good at, at parsing out certain pieces of information, but they're not good at using that information. So if Peters becomes the decision maker, um, this could certainly work. And I'm not going to say that they, oh, they made a mistake because they kept the Martys around. Um, and then the other big one, the one that we'll spend a little bit more time on next um, is to or is that Anthony Lynn is going to be the run game coordinator here in D.C. Lynn, former head coach with the Chargers, former offensive coordinator, but mostly a running backs coach and run game coordinator in multiple systems. Has a long history with the Shanahan family. Uh, played for Mike in Denver, won two Super Bowls. He was a backup running back on those, uh, behind Terrell Davis on those Super Bowl teams. Uh, ultimately worked for Kyle, but also spent a lot of time working under Greg Roman in Buffalo uh, when they were on Rex Ryan's staff back in the day. So that is very, very interesting because Anthony Lynn has one of the best run game backgrounds in the NFL. And for a weak spot in Cliff Kingsbury, the run game in terms of detailing it up, it does seem like he's really attacked that. So what is the common thread uh, amongst all of that? We will get into it next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. More thoughts on the commander's staff as they continue to add from Logan Paulson coming up at 4.30, little take command preview. Although I do think that podcast might be out now. We recorded it a little earlier today. Uh, we also did our, our mock draft 1.0, uh, Anthony. So that's that's exciting. Mock draft 1.0 is is done. And it almost got ruined. I don't know. Did you see my tweet earlier today of, of what happened when I fired up the old mock draft simulator? I did not. So I fired up PFF's mock draft simulator. And uh, I wanted to obviously do a mock draft that was realistic and um, that's going to involve Caleb Williams going first and uh, the mock draft simulator put uh, Drake May first and I was like excuse me well that makes this pretty uninteresting I'm going to take Caleb Williams that's actually funny <laughs> here's the dumb part so I then refired it up to get it ready because that was just my test draft and I accident I made a I made a whoopsie. I accidentally put uh, the uh, what's it called? I put oh I only did one round. That's what the mistake I made. So we get to the end. We were gonna go through pick forty, and I was like, oh crap! I gotta refire up. I gotta do another draft. 
hold on, and we're doing this live on the podcast. We're not live on the podcast. We're recording this on the podcast. Three more times it puts Drake May first. To the point that I actually took control of Chicago's pick. And then I realized I made the same mistake that I initially made. Did a, a only a first round. And so it, then I finally got it to take Caleb Williams. We took Jaden Daniels. Well, I guess I just ruined it. Uh, we took Jaden Daniels. And then we you have to listen to see what we did with picks 36 and 40. But I was like, are you kidding me right now? How many rounds did you do? We just did two. Okay. I got to say, I like where the commanders are at. A lot of good football players on the on the board at 36 and 40. Got some linemen? Yeah. Got a, a tight end? Not with those picks. Got a, a wide receiver? Not with those picks, but we could have. We chose right, to go I'm, different I'm, directions. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys do with 36 and 40. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. We got Logan's maybe his favorite player in the draft at 36. Offensive lineman? Uh, not offensive lineman. Wow, that really piques my interest in. Well, you, Anthony, like everybody else, can listen to Take Command wherever you get your podcast. Uh, 40, we took an offensive lineman, whose brother is on the team currently. Hmm. I got to think about it. If you, uh, if you know, you know who we took. If you're not that locked into the draft, you'll learn about it over the next couple of months, in large part by listening to this show. Uh, the news of the day, though, is that the Commanders have continued adding to their staff, and they add Anthony Lynn, who is a fascinating hire because he is a guy that has extensive history with multiple different types of run schemes. And I think what is starting to come together is a cohesive vision for this staff. And the one thing that I feel pretty good saying is that uh, they're going to run it out of shotgun, or they're going to be in shotgun a lot, Anthony. Um, which was not necessarily guaranteed because, and who knows, maybe they'll, they'll surprise us and, and all these guys have worked with different stuff. But um, Cliff Kingsbury in 2021 wasn't in shotgun quite as much as you'd think. Like Kyler was actually under center um, a decent amount, even though he runs the air raid stuff. Um, and he was in shotgun certainly a lot. But I think what you've seen as a connective tissue of this offensive staff is guys who have a variety of experience with mobile quarterbacks and playing out of the gun. And so you think about Bobby Johnson in New York. And obviously the thing that stands out the most is they took a bleep ton of sacks. But what did we learn, those of us that really were willing to pay attention last year about sacks? They are a quarterback stat as much as anything. They are a big-time quarterback stat. And you had Daniel Jones, who wasn't particularly good at avoiding them. You had Tyrod Taylor, who has never been particularly good at avoiding them. And you had uh, Tommy DeVito, who uh, didn't even know where they were coming from the first couple of weeks and then got a little bit better as time went. Um, but what you, what also did you have? Uh, you had mobile quarterback in Daniel Jones, mobile quarterback in Tyrod, and they used those guys effectively as runners. Um, they weren't, you know, when Tyrod got in there, their passing game got a little bit better. And, you know, Tyrod would get the ball out and the sack numbers definitely came down some when Tyrod was in the game. Um, but what you also would see is really innovative use of some RPO game, which is obviously a big part of what Cliff has done in, in varying stops. And you saw some big runs from Saquon Barkley, which some of those are Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. And I actually did have an interesting, uh, someone asked earlier uh, in the YouTube comments, like, do you think this means they could pursue Saquon? I don't think so, because I don't know that at this stage of the rebuild, 
you want to go and attack the running back position with a lot of money. But it's also interesting enough, and they have the most cap space in the league, um, so it's interesting enough that I didn't immediately go, like, definitely not. Um, but that's that's kind of the Bobby Johnson side of it. Then you got Brian Johnson. What has he got a lot of experience with? Well, this past year it was a lot of, let's throw the ball to our receivers outside. What does that sound like? Air raid. Sounds like, let's attack the edges. That's what Cliff has been. But two years ago, and, and a lot of that apparently was Nick Sirianni. Um, that's kind of the, the rumblings out of Philly. Um, so then what does Brian Johnson have a lot of experience with? A lot of RPO game, a lot of quarterback run. Jalen Hurts, that's his guy. Um, he coached uh, with Anthony Richardson at Florida. Like, there's a lot of, of stuff there uh, in terms of continuity. And then now you bring in Anthony Lynn, who has helped Kyle Shanahan continue to develop that run game and taught those running backs really well. Obviously, look, he's got Christian McCaffrey, um, but has had a lot of success in Buffalo and other places with some gap scheme stuff, with some zone stuff. And so the ability, and, and I think the thing that you hear about Anthony Lynn a lot is he's pretty good at marrying the pass and run. And so now he has got someone in his in his staff, if you're Cliff, who has experience doing the things that you have tried to do but maybe haven't executed on at the highest level um, in marrying pass and run, getting an effective, creative, detailed-up running game, and then you're the pass game guy. And all of a sudden, if it works, this looks like a really good staff. Now, you still do have the question of how do they work together? What is it that... Uh, what is it that, you know, from a, a style standpoint, from a communication standpoint, what is it they, that they implement to make sure that there's clear messaging to the players and good coaching and good teaching and all of those things? But on a baseline level, Ant, I feel like they actually have put something together here that makes a little bit more sense than I feel like it did when you first start hearing some of the names last week. Yeah, I definitely think uh, it looks... A little bit better, and that's part of the problem. Though. I, f- I feel like a lot of people get impatient, or we're like too quick to like judge, as opposed to you know uh, let things play out. And I actually seen uh, Jeremy Reese tweet out uh, earlier today, like the Adam Peters and you know Josh here, they've been playing chess, not checkers. And I just feel like that just goes to show like trusting the process, you know, waiting and um, allowing things to develop. Now, I will say we still don't have an. An assistant uh, head coach, so I, I think we're also still monitoring and uh, looking at that, because um, I think that's also an important position that we need to, I guess, still wait for, but also address. Right, and, and that's you know there, there's still obviously room for more, and I think that you have, you know, also you you hit some of the boxes that you need to hit from the personality standpoint, right? You see. Some continu- or some guys that have worked with Cliff before. You know, the tight ends coach uh, has worked with Kingsbury before. You see some guys that have worked with these players before. You know they they keep Bobby Ingram and Tavita Pritchard. Um, so all of those things are are I think things that you want to see. You want some level of continuity, some different ideas, and it's just a matter of bringing them together. But I think what you also see, and I'll be interested uh, tomorrow two thirty here on the Team Nine Eighty 
Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr.'s press conference. Uh, I imagine Russell is carrying that live. Um, but, you know, it, it he'll be asked about this. But, you know, Dan Quinn did this whole 360 review. He did this whole, like, review of himself. And I do wonder, like, when Cliff hopefully did something similar was the lack of detail in the run game and finding someone who can marry his concepts together at a, at more of an NFL level. Um, and he did depth, like it, to be very clear, Cliff did not go to Arizona and run a college air raid. That's not what it was, but can there, is, is there a next level of detail to unlock that someone like Anthony Lynn can get? Um, and, and some of these other coaches can help unlock a Brian Johnson can unlock that could be really helpful. And, and I think the fact that you have now two former head coaches on on Dan's staff in general, Cliff and Anthony Lynn, uh, even if both those guys maybe got a level too high, um, and Lynn was, I would say, like a controversial firing at the time uh, in, in in L.A. Um, it's not like Staley did much better. Uh, but, you know, that... that um, level of experience I think is is all of a sudden seen as like really fantastic and uh, a, a huge positive for how they've remade this thing in DC yeah and that's part of uh, what I mentioned yesterday just the experience that we have um having all these guys at you know lower levels that have you know um, been professional at higher levels and um it's definitely gonna be interesting to see uh just how it all comes together I'm super excited um for our offensive guys and things of that nature but I, I still think defensively is where we're gonna uh get our money and I'm excited you know with some of the hires that we've had on the defensive side of the ball but I think offensively with you know the line the the, the young QB I think I, I like where we are in terms of having that experience that knowledge being passed on to some of those younger guys yeah no for sure I'm also curious to see what happens. Uh, Lance Newworth is the new assistant GM. I mean, he's been in Detroit for a long time, and so it feels like, oh yeah, we're getting someone from Detroit. But it's not. It's not someone who's new in Detroit. Um, it's someone who's been around Detroit. Like, what's his skill set? Why did Peters target him? Why does he like him? Um, it's kind of funny. Some of the memes going around right now, and I don't know if you've seen any of these, but it's like. Oh, we we went to Detroit and, and came home empty-handed. Oh, Ben Johnson doesn't want to interview. Is that a that Newerth guy available to just have lunch to chat with? Steal their their senior director of uh, of pro personnel. Honestly, I feel better if it was the the director of college personnel based off their last couple of drafts. Um, but they also have done some nice things in free agency, and I think the other thing they've done is is a good job of knowing like when to let players go. Um, so that's a part of that as well, and we'll we'll see ultimately how they handle. Uh, you know, the the distribution of responsibilities and scouting uh, when it comes to the decision-making here in D.C. Uh, more on this next. Logan Paulson and I discussed on Take Command. Still to come on the Hoffman Show, 5 o'clock, Linnell pops in. Uh, are we still calling it overreaction whatever day? Are we just going to – Linnell's coming to chat. What are we, what are we doing there? Uh, I think we need to figure out a way to sort of kind of rebrand it, I guess. And Linnell's in here as well. Yeah, I see. I now see Linnell over the computer. Yeah. I feel like I feel like you've uh, one. We don't do it on Tuesdays anymore, and there is something to like overreaction Tuesday, where it was kind of fun because it was on Tuesday after the sun. You try when you're in with me to like keep this and have a good discussion, but I don't know that like good discussions with Linnell Wednesdays uh, it really has the branding pop. So we'll think about something. Linnell's going to talk football. 
at 5 o'clock. So we'll do that. Linnell, maybe we just do Linnell Talks Ball. We could do that. And then we could do hoops too. Because that's they also, I don't know if you know this, they play with the ball. Probably not a lot of hockey in that segment though. Which is, you know, all due respect to hockey fans, just fine with me. Trust me, you don't want me talking hockey. It wouldn't be very good radio. Uh, still to come after that, never read the comments. Still to come after that, Mitch Tischler at 6 o'clock. We're loaded on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour, Linnell comes in talking about the latest on the commander's staffing and where they go next from a roster standpoint. But right now, thoughts from me and Logan Paulson earlier today. Uh, This is fresh, new Take Command. Uh, We talked about the staffing and kind of how it's all coming together and why we feel a little bit better about it now than we did even a week ago. Uh, Here is our chat. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast. What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And as promised, Take Command Mock Draft 1.0 is coming uh, in 15, 20 minutes, somewhere in there. (laughs) However, Logan, the Commander's cannot keep hiring or cannot stop hiring coaches and thus uh, we will discuss first some of the new additions to the staff uh, also announced that tomorrow Thursday as we sit recording this Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr. will meet the media so we will probably uh, you know be able to get a lot of answers to some of the questions that we have uh, but Cliff Kingsbury Joe Witt Jr. speaking to the assembled press tomorrow Logan I actually don't know this did you get a chance to talk to either of those guys today on command center or are you guys doing that tomorrow we're doing that tomorrow so there okay. will be a show I think that and that show will come out the following week we're gonna have interviews probably film breakdown so really excited we haven't had access to coordinators like that before so it should be pretty insightful so yeah for sure can't wait for you to get on the board especially with Cliff but also with Joe um you know a guy that that is so well respected on the defensive side we kind of blow over that one because we know DQ's defensive prowess and there's I think less questions there even though he's a first-time DC um but we will certainly look forward to that uh as for what we know now um and who knows maybe we'll get even more stuff as the as we're recording this but the big name that just came down was Anthony Lynn uh who is going to be the run game coordinator he was the running backs coach and assistant head coach in San Francisco for Kyle. He will not have the assistant head coach title, which I think is interesting, Logan, in part because that means they still have it for someone else. And there's very few spots left on the staff, but you do have defensive line coach still open. You have running backs coach still open. So we'll see if, if they can lure another big name potentially with that title, or do they keep it in reserve to ultimately promote someone down the line? But I think as the staff has started to come together, you and I have noticed a pattern and kind of the, there is starting to be a common thread that ties these coaches that Cliff Kingsbury is hiring on the offensive side together, even if a lot of them are coming from varied backgrounds. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's probably a bunch of patterns, but the one that I think that sticks out to us, and again, you talk to somebody different and they might come up with a different solution or a different kind of answer to the puzzle. But I look at Brian Johnson and what they did in 2022 with Jalen Hurts, and they were maybe one of the most innovative run game teams in in the NFL. You know, they kind of popularized this RPO kind of triple option. You know, the two huge plays from Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl are models of that kind of RPO system, right? Where it's, you read the end, and instead of me running, now I can throw the ball and run the ball. And that was, Jalen Hurts just did a great job of murdering with that. They had answers 
how to beat that versus man-to-man coverage at answers versus zone, you know, all of these kind of RPO stopping concepts. And they were very, very innovative there. So I look at that and I say, there's a guy who knows how to run the ball out of gun, knows how to marry passes out of the gun, and is, was pretty innovative or saw a staff that was innovative in 2022. You look at Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, and say what you want about, um, you know, the, the Jets or the Giants, excuse me, like they do a great job in the run game there of running the football from the gun. They, you know, they pull offensive linemen. They kind of do stuff that I think of as like kind of Bill Callahan outside zone where you're getting down blocks and pulling around, but they get there from gun setups, which is really, really challenging to do and really innovative. And so I like that. I like his, the way he protected the offensive line there. Again, ran the quarterback there also. And then Anthony Lynn, I mean, you're not going to find a more effective rushing team in the NFL than San Francisco in terms of how they create angles, how they, um, you know, find angles for the offensive line, how they utilize receivers in the blocking surface, how they just find these matchups and alignments through formation to put those guys in the best position to be successful. So I think one of our, one of my reservations about Cliff, you know, I think he's a brilliant guy. At least you talk to anybody and they're saying he's a smart guy, great coach. The list, the list of, uh, you know, kind of modifiers and positive, yeah, are yeah. great, you know, um, but, you know, like, oh, he needs someone who's going to support him in the run game. And this looks like a staff that's going to be very supportive of developing a very layered and nuanced rushing attack. Because like we talked about in our in our pre-production meeting, like he, he wants to run the football. You look at the 2012 tape and it's not like you get a guy who's shying away from running the ball. Uh, it's tw- just uh, he, 2021, yeah, when they had James Conner in, in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's very effective. And again, some of the runs aren't the most nuanced, but it's not a guy that's like, oh, he a guy, it's a guy that I see understands the value of it. And now it looks like he's assembling a staff of people who A can support his kind of innovative nature in the pass game, but also kind of layer stuff underneath it to make those rushing the, the rushing game more efficient, which I again like I don't know if you can tell, I'm pretty excited about that, that uh, that the staff is coming together like this. Yeah, ultimately, they've still got the questions to answer of how do they work together. There's a bunch of people with different backgrounds, and that's we're not going to know that answer for a while. But I think what we can surmise now is that there is at least a reason. This isn't random. Like, Not that I ever thought that it was. It was just a little harder to see what the connective tissue was. But you now see like great experience. And and I think actually, you know, we were talking about this in in our in our pre-show call, like that 2021 tape, they're actually under center a lot more than I think yeah. people realize. Right. But the efficacy of running stuff from the gun, which is where Cliff is most comfortable as a play caller and as, as a coordinator and as a designer. Um, but the, the comfortability of running from the gun and the ability, Anthony Lynn is, is I think, most respected uh, in my quick perusing of the internet and kind of some different takes on him for someone who marries the run and pass game very, very well. He's very cohesive in how he, he brings it all together. Um, that's kind of been his track record. And he's done it, by the way, not only with Kyle in San Francisco, but very different run scheme with Greg Roman back in Buffalo back in the day when he was the running backs coach um, and and helped Greg Roman, who was the OC there. So there that ability to to mesh the two things together and kind of bring a level of cohesion to the offense feels like it'll be Lynn's responsibility along with Cliff as much as anybody else's. I think the other common thread with Bobby Johnson, with Brian Johnson is they've worked with running quarterbacks. 
Now, yeah. what does that mean in terms of the draft? Everyone wants to connect the dots. And the answer is, I don't know. Um, and I don't think they know yet. I don't think they have a final say on who their guy is, who their number one target is, because they still want to bring these guys in for interviews at the combine, interviews uh, at their pro days, spend some time with them over the next couple of months and really get to know who they are as people. But as players, we know there is an RPO element that Caleb Williams has done very well with. We know that there is a mobility and a really an electricity as a runner that Jaden Daniels brings, even if a lot of his is better off of the scramble game than the design run. And then Drake Drake May can run it as well, like in the same way that Sam Howell, we wish he had run it a little bit more right. um, as a runner, design runner last year. Um, I think that that all three of those guys, this makes you feel more confident that they will use the dual threat nature that they all have at the next level, no matter who they draft. Yeah, and I think the thing that sticks out to me is like you mentioned the Greg Roman thing, you know, and then the connection with Kyle Shanahan for Anthony Lynn. And I think that's just, you know, what are they going to be? I don't know. But I think having a guy that has answers like this Greg Roman, who to me is maybe the most innovative run game coordinator over the last 20 years in the NFL, like with Colin Kaepernick, Lamar Jackson, like say what you want about him. Like he is detailed and dialed up. So you have that in your background, right? You have that bag of tools to pull from, oh, like, how did we do that when I was in Buffalo? Oh, yeah, we did this X, Y, Z. Then how did Kyle do it? Oh, maybe this solution's better. That's awesome, you know? And I think, you know, Brian Johnson also, or Bobby Johnson, excuse me, he was in Buffalo too for a long time. And like, they probably know some of the same people. They probably have a pre-existing relationship. But I think to your point, like, you see guys that have had to be creative, like Bobby Johnson having to be creative with Daniel Jones and like an understaffed offensive line. Like, you, you saw creativity there, right? Anthony Lynn, same type of thing. Like maybe not creative in like the necessity type of way that Bobby Johnson did, but like he just comes from this varied background. So I think it's going to be kind of cool. Again, we, we don't know how they're going to work together, but the backgrounds these guys have. And, you know, Brian Johnson, again, probably more of a pass game guy, but they were really innovative running the football in Philly uh, two years ago. So lots of cool pieces here. And again, it makes you think, wow, like all these guys with all these different skill sets, all these different experiences – Maybe they get this thing pointed in the right right direction um, from, from an early start. And I love the fact you mentioned that he marries run and pass game concepts together. Because you could, in 2021, in Arizona, when Cliff was there, you saw an effort to do that. You saw an effort to kind of adopt some of those principles. Um, they just weren't always able to do it. Because, again, Cliff's background is a little bit different. So now you've got all these people that have experience with that. And I think that's going to be pretty outstanding. And, um, again, it's it was a staff that I was nervous about you know, a couple of days ago, but I'm starting to feel better about it. The more these pieces come in and I think the experience, the diversity of their backgrounds and the problem solving elements they've all shown in their career, I think are pretty exciting. Yeah. We've talked about how problem solving can be one of the most important traits that a coach has. Um, so I would say, I would say a couple of things come to mind for me. One, it's going to be really important that their processes are clean. Um, their processes yeah. are clean, right? And that's ultimately going to be on Cliff, but it's something that Dan can help with as well as the head coach, right? Do they have a system of feedback where everyone's voice is heard, but the right voices are weighed and ultimately like you don't get in a bunch of fights over stuff and, and you exit the coaching meetings with a clear message to communicate to the players? Because uh, if, if this works, this could be incredible. 
If it doesn't, you're Carolina last year. And that, that's the <laughs> spectrum. And like, I don't say that flippantly. It's just is the reality. Like they had a bunch of smart dudes in the room last year in Carolina and it was a mess. And frankly, the same thing happened here. Uh, maybe not the the level of coach they had in Carolina where they had Frank Reich, had Thomas Brown, had a bunch of other guys that that immediately got jobs other places. And it was just like, yeah, we couldn't. That that didn't work. But like the, the story that Sam and Nikki wrote in the post about kind of some of the stuff that happened with EB was the coaches and the coordinator. And, you know, I'm not placing blame on any part of that equation, but like they weren't on the same page and it had a mm. real effect on the outcome of the offense. So their, their processes and their communication has to be extremely clear. I think the other thing where you kind of are on the, the edge of the optimist pessimist coin is, you know, when Brian Johnson took over, uh, in Philly as the OC, like the offense took a major step sure. back. Was that because some of the things you hear was that was Nick Sirianni's preference and Johnson was st stuck executing some of what Sirianni wanted and that wasn't super clean um you hear some rumors out of Arizona that when Cliff went to put his staff together he didn't quite have the resources uh and the go-ahead the sign off to to do everything he wanted and maybe that left him a little understaffed in Arizona and you hope those things are true if you're a Washington fan because that means the upside is there and here resources aren't an issue I think that's pretty clear by this staff like they've this is an expensive staff and their Harris ownership group is like cool sign the check let's go yeah. mm -hmm. um obviously the the pessimist side of that coin is that that wasn't the case that was people putting out stuff to make excuses for guys that they like and you know there are real blind spots and weaknesses that could come up and and cause issues here in DC so um it could go either way we're not going to yeah. know until at the very least the fall but those are to me like the two opposite signs of the coin and where that coin, the, the table that coin is rolling along is the the communication and the processes. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And it, you know, just like any team has to come together, like there sometimes the the sum of the parts creates a, a better whole. You know, and I think that's kind of what we're waiting to see is how these guys work together, the chemistry they have, the communication, and you know, like in on paper, everyone you know everyone's got a pretty good resume in the NFL if they've been around for a long time, and all these guys have so. Um, I think there's a lot of good things to be excited about, a lot of innovative thinking to be to be kind of, you know, excited about. But how do they come together? How do they communicate with the players in the building? You know, we saw that a little bit last year with EB. The communication style wasn't right. Is the environment right? Is their relationship correct? Is their relationship to the players correct? And I think that's where a guy like Dan is going to be super helpful because he's going to be able to make sure that that is, is pretty streamlined. So I'm hoping that, again, it's just – all these people are kind of in the right positions. It's just about, like you said, them coming together and do you get something special, like where you get a really good team of coaches or is it, or is there a little bit of friction and egos get in the way or, or whatever. And, and we're not trying to put anything bad on them before they even start, but it is a possibility and yeah. it's something to We're consider, also not trying but, to get ahead and say, this is all going to work before it starts. Right. hundred percent. Uh, I, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm excited. Like the more, the more I look at it, the more excited I get. And I love that he's Cliff, Dan, whoever is kind of responsible for these these staffing hires, is filling in spots and finding people that supplement stuff that he wants to do and has done in his past. So I think that's great, and I think that's a good step. So that that makes me excited. But again, they all got to come together. They all got to gel. For sure. Uh, and last but not least, on the offensive side, Tavita Pritchard and yeah. Bobby Ingram brought back. I do think that it's really important to keep someone or someone's and maybe the quality control guys will stay the same like who knows what happens down down staff I, I think making some new hires there is really important to make sure that you have some of your rising star types that eventually can step in when these other guys get jobs uh, if this thing goes well um, but I, I think having someone in the room or someone's in the room 
who has familiarity with the players and how they learn and how the, some of the the you know things that went wrong last year went wrong and some of the things that went right went right is is essential having some institutional knowledge and um, I saw Jahan Dotson like tweet out some prayer hands emojis he's very happy to Bobby Ingram is back um, and then we see you know Tavita Pritchard I, I think is very well liked and respected not only in the building but around the league so mm-hmm. I think those are two solid choices to to bring back and bring a level of continuity. Uh, even if again, like they're going to have to learn the system and, and implement it. Uh, but there's again, a lot of guys around that can help with that process. Yeah. And I think it's also good to just have some people who can give you some insight on some of the things that maybe went wrong last year, you know, and kind of give you some intel on that. But again, to those two guys that stayed, I think, you know, I've had a couple conversations with Tavita. He's just very charismatic. And I don't want to say he's Sean McVay, but he's got kind of that personality, you know, the guy that is, dynamic and I don't know how he is as a coach but as a person he's great he seems to fit really well with um with what uh with what Dan's vision of the staff and that gets me excited and obviously Bobby Ingram like he knows Santana and Fred really well so had a couple interactions through that again that kind of I I don't want to say players coach but a guy that really engages well with the players so I think that's all good stuff and I think it just shows you the direction the staff is going and uh the energy around the building yesterday you know people were in there kind of taking care of some administrative stuff and the energy is exciting, man, and it's good to see that kind of energy from the staff, which hasn't been there for a couple of years. So it's it's a cool cool experience. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, any earlier um, thoughts on on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, they obviously had Ken Norton, who's got a tremendous history. Um, you know, a couple other guys that that wind up. Sharif Floyd uh, yeah. comes in. You know, is a guy who DQ knows real well. But any any uh, history or thoughts on any of the defensive guys they brought in the last couple I mean, of days? Honestly, when they hired Witt, and then I forget who the defensive pass game coordinator, the guy from Oakland, his name escapes me at the moment. Uh, Jason uh, Simmons. Yeah, Jason Simmons. I was like, this is going to be a good staff. I mean, that's like a bad thing to say, but those guys, their, their pedigree, their resumes, I think are pretty dynamic. You know, they've got a lot of experience, like kind of flipping defenses quickly. They've obviously, uh, Witt has worked with Dan and Dan, like knowing Dan from Atlanta, like he's going to surround himself with good people. So I, I knew those were good. And then obviously the guys you just mentioned, the Norton's coming in, these guys that have a ton of experience coaching the NFL, maximizing position groups. I think that I feel very good about that staff because it seems to have a, you know, a very kind of cohesive trend of people who fit this, um, you know, I don't say Dan's defensive vision, but it's, you know, cause it's wits, but, um, but I but think wits like, work for Dan for, years right so like there seems to be a very cohesive vision there as you know compared to the offensive staff where we're a little uncertain not because they're not talented coaches but they just kind of seem to be coming from different areas this doesn't really feel like that you're like oh this is how he knows this person this is how he knows this person it seems very straight and i feel like that side of the football is going to be playing really well here um with, with some with some good coaching and uh and a very clear defensive vision so no doubt. And some players. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about on that front over the next couple of months. We'll do a free agency primer here soon as free agency is coming up quicker than we think. But it is time, Logan Paulson. It is mock draft season. Mock draft 1.0 for us next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, So real quick, an update on what is happening in Kansas City. Uh, There was a shooting earlier today. Uh, that happened during the parade at the Ch- or for the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win. Uh, here is just a brief snippet of Police Chief Stacy Graves earlier uh, 
excuse me, in Kansas City. At the conclusion of the Chiefs rally today, there were shots fired on the west side of Union Station. Immediately, officers responded to the area, took two people into custody, and also immediately rendered life-sustaining aid to those victims. We're still gathering information on the number and the status of victims. But like I said, we know that one of the victims is deceased. We also know that officers ran towards danger. Officers were there to keep everyone safe. I'm angry at what happened today. The people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. We had over 800 law enforcement officers, Kansas City and other agencies, at the location to keep everyone safe. Because of bad actors, which were very few, this tragedy occurred, even in the presence of uniformed law enforcement officers, who again ran towards them and took them into custody. So that is Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves uh, just a few moments ago. That sound courtesy of ABC News. So uh, one dead, nine injured, and as she said, counting in Kansas City. We will keep you updated if there is more information uh, as this story obviously has broken through. It's interesting looking up on, on the TVs around uh, Fox Sports 1, ESPN, uh, covering this. Uh, we will continue to do a lot of local sports because ultimately we are a local sports show. But as we get inf- more information, uh, I might do some commentary on this a little later in the show. Obviously, um, the short version of the commentary is this is awful. Um, no matter what the reason was, whether it was you know a personal dispute that boiled over in a highly populated place, an act of terrorism, anything uh, in between or on the other, I don't know what goes beyond either end of those spectrums, but um, it's terrible, it's tragic, and, and obviously our thoughts uh, are with the victims and their families. So uh, when we get back, we'll get back to the more fun sports conversation. Linnell will pop in and we'll keep you updated on this news from Kansas City as we go here on the Team 980. Hour number two of the Hoffman Show here on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Linnell Willingham is here with us. Of course, I'm Craig Hoffman. If you're new to the show, what's up? What's happening? I got a tweet earlier today, uh, Linnell. Mm-hmm. Someone who uh, shocker, someone long time, long time, uh, one hundred six seven, the fan listener, and was like, "I just realized Craig had his own show." And I'm like, "Gotta find you, hey gotta, man. We just gotta, we gotta get, keep getting the word out." You to know? your credit, he's probably been living under a rock because you've done a great job pumping and promoting the show. You come up on my YouTube suggestions at night. Well, it just which depends is on what you use, right? Like, yes, you know, if you sure. if you're not on social media, then mm-hmm. like it's hard to know unless you're just like, ah, oh, let's see what's going on in 980 these days. Oh, this guy who I used to listen to on whatever other stations? Like, yeah. Um, My bad. Welcome. Oh, you're good. No, the, the camera still looks... This I was camera about to still say. <laughs> Linnell can't see himself on camera. It's horrible, here. bro. I know. I'm sorry. There's not no, really fine. a good way for this to... The way we have it set up, there's not a good way for you to see yourself. I'm in 1080p, though. So that's all that matters. I'm in HD. Yeah. People. Although I do think the way we fix the lights that now... Uh, you got a little. We we somehow we went from not having shadows to having them. I don't know. Everywhere. It's fine. That's fine. It's fine. Um, just it's your mic shadow, so it's it That's, is what it is. There you go. Okay. Now you still hear me? Yeah, you're very you you project very well. well. Uh, that's always been a strong suit. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um. <laughs> yeah. Not 
Hearing you, not a problem. Yeah. All right, so um, we're going to do a little Wizards actually coming up in about 10 minutes. But um, to start, yeah. so I, I feel like in talking to you a little bit off air, you have had, I want to call it a full like mea culpa, but you have reconsidered the the Dan Quinn hire. To be clear, you weren't down on it. You liked it a lot. Yes. But with the benefit of hindsight, I wonder if Dan Quinn would have actually been your favorite coach to come here yeah. seeing that this how this staff has come together. I think that's the big coup for landing a guy like Dan Quinn who we threw the retread label on him and people were concerned about, you know, his shortcomings in Atlanta and how would he do uh, in his second act as a head coach. Like Craig just alluded to, Mike McDonald was probably my number one guy throughout the entire process. Knowing what I know now about Dan Quinn's staff, if we got to do a little, like, what's it called, catch 22 and go back and have a revision of this history. I, I don't think, think that's what a catch 22 that's is. That's not a catch 22. No, we just we just use a time machine. Go back. Just use a time machine. Anyways. A catch 22 is like when you're caught between two things where you don't really have a good option. Well, some people felt like that as far as this coaching uh, search went. That is true. But I think for Mike McDonald, the struggles, I don't want to call it struggles, but his staff is not completed yet. And he was hired before Dan Quinn was. That is true. So there are some hurdles and challenges that he's having to face. And we know this, Craig, you being on Washington's beat for several years, know how important it is, right? That relationship between coaches and players. And I know the head coach gets a lot of the attention for success, but I think your team is only as good as your assistants are. Because those are the guys that are probably spending more one-on-one individual time with the players. With that being said, I think Dan Quinn and the staff that he's put together probably blows Mike McDonald's staff out of the water and Ben Johnson, for that matter, who we don't know uh, how he would have filled out his staff. So, like, in hindsight, I feel better about the Quinn hiring now that I know the staff, even though there's one member of the staff that I'm a little bit concerned with. Who's that? Ryan Kerrigan. I don't, And I love HK. I love trying to keep former players in the, the role, in the fold and in the rotation and all that, but as a pass-rushing specialist, he had one move. He was a one-trick pony as a pass rusher. And I don't mean to say that facetiously or, like, talk down on Ryan. He was a darn, darn good player. Yeah. I just don't see the benefit of him being a pass rush specialist. So I think there's a lot more to pass rushing than moves, right? And I think that a lot of things that you talk about as a pass rusher aren't about, like, let me teach you some new moves. It's not like you come in every day and you're like, ah, oh, let's, let's work on spin moves today, guys. Right. It's about angles. It's about leverage. It's about mm-hmm. things that he understood in a way that allowed him to have double-digit da- sack seasons, um, double-digit sack seasons, despite only having one, you know, great move. But he was a guy that could, you know, didn't necessarily need moves. He could understand right. speed to power and, mm-hmm. you know, all those kinds of things. So I, I do think that a lot of the move <clears throat> stuff is kind of what guys – work on in the off season or you have naturally um, as opposed to the, the leverages and kind of the, how do we run our games and things up front? And and one thing that I actually love this for Ryan, as much as I do for the team is like, that's Dan Quinn's background, you know, Ryan and DQ getting to pick each other's brains is going to be great for both of them. But I think it's in terms of teaching it, like obviously Ryan's going to be able to learn a lot from Dan and, and that's going to make him a better coach. And you know, this is the place that he wants sure. to live. His family's here. Um, I mean, I, Ryan, I know, spends a lot of time out in California um, and did as a player as well. But like, I, I think that like this is the place he sees his home. And if he can work with this organization and for once, someone that is homegrown can actually pan out for Washington, like that'd be <laughs> sick. 
You know? Yeah. Could you imagine Novel Linnell? concept, huh? You know? know. We've, had, we've produced some good media members over the years. Yeah. Your Santana Mosses, your London Fletchers, your Logan Paulsons, for instance. But, you know, to, to have someone actually help the football operation would be uh, – be sweet so yeah i'm not and he's also like he's so far down on the list i'll do respect right. to ryan but like can he have an impact yeah absolutely for sure. but I, I think it's hard for him to do super damage um although you know that is the one spot that's still open um not although like worth mentioning the one spot that's still open is who ryan kerrigan is is going to most directly report to in the oh, line coach no if, if that was filled did you not daryl uh, tap Darryl oh tap. they got daryl tap daryl tap yeah when did that happen that happened during the chris russell show we we broke that during our show, yeah. Anthony, how do we miss that? Yeah, Daryl Tap is yeah. I'm sorry. How do we miss Daryl Tap? Sorry, you're welcome. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, Daryl Tap is the new D line coach here in Washington. Uh, I we had our meeting with CK. That's how we missed it. Oh, okay. ah, you were in. You, you know what reason. it is? It's the boss's fault. Ah, ah, those but darn no. bosses. I, I wanted to ask you too, because me and that's Russell, a great hire, by yeah, the way. That dude's been around forever. tremendous. And if you talk to people in San Fran's organization, they viewed him in a similar light as they viewed D'Amico Ryan's, and we know what D'Amico was able to. Which, go on by the do. way, is crazy that they then yeah. let him. go. If they thought of him as D'Amico, like and like they fired Wilkes today, woo. DQ's got Wilkes. some pull, man. That's that's part of it. And Adam Peters also has some pull. So that's true. That's huge. I love the amount of former players that we have on the roster and. That's what I'm most excited about, specifically on defense and the ability to to get the most out of certain guys like Cam Curl if you decide to bring him back and Emmanuel Forbes and Jamin Davis. I'm excited for the young nucleus that Washington has on defense because no matter how good you thought they were in, let's say, 2022 – I think they can exceed that this this coming year because the staff is a lot better. I think they can too, and I think the thing that's exciting is we're going to find out really quickly who's yeah. good and who's not, and that's the thing right that I away. think. Yep. Last year was so frustrating. Is and people? I, I was talking texting about this with. I think it was Logan, but it might, it might have been someone else on the B the other day. But um, we were talking about how like everyone is so down on this roster. Um, like, you know, Kurt Benkert, uh, who's kind of starting to blow up in the digital space. who's an mm-hmm. NFL quarterback for five years and he's doing a bunch of fun stuff on YouTube. And Kurt was like, Hey, I would trade down out of that second pick if I was Washington and try to get a haul because that roster needs so much help. And I think that is kind of the national perspective. And look, we said during the off season last year, like, Hey, this roster isn't as bad as the national people think. And turns out that we were wrong. And so were <laughs> they, it was actually worse. Right. Um, but at least that's how it played. But I kind of actually think it was so poorly coached that there may actually be more talent yeah. than people realize, and it's got to get coached up well. And if it is, then, oh, my God, there could be a revelation this year defensively, which I'm not saying is going to turn them into a playoff team in year one, depending mm-hmm. on what happens at quarterback, but like could make them far more formidable. But I think what we definitely know is, based off the quality of this coaching staff, if, if they do play poorly again, it's going to be because these players are not very good. It's not yep. going to be because the coaching is bad. Like, AKA, we going to find out. <laughs> exactly. And one guy I would circle going into the offseason who kind of came on a little bit with more opportunities at the end, KJ Henry. I think his body type and him being moved around, I think he's got inside, outside, like pass rush ability. So I'm, I'm curious to see how DQ and company line him up. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe next week we, well, actually, I'm, I'm out next week. So. Uh, but two weeks from now, or uh, whenever we next do this, we should definitely start talking about how some of the quarterback dots line up because I know yeah. you've been watching those guys yes. a lot. Uh, if you want some more thoughts from Linnell on the quarterbacks, make sure you follow him on Twitter. And, of course, you can check him out whenever he is on, whether it's with Chris Russell uh, on Wednesdays from 1 to 3. Uh, or, sorry, from 1 to 4. That's when my show starts because that's when that show <laughs> ends. 
uh, one to four uh, or on overtime or the weekends over on 106.7 The Fan. But next, um, I want to get into some of the, the wizard stuff. We talked to Josh Robbins on the show yesterday about some of his reporting. Um, there is some interesting stuff to, to chop up here on kind of the direction this team is going in the final 30 games of the yeah. season. Linnell and I will hit that next here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Get back to the commanders in Never Read the Comments coming up at 5.30, uh, which should be an adventure, Anthony, because uh, guess what I didn't do? <laughs> read the comments? You didn't pull the comment. Yeah, I, I've read so many comments, but I did not isolate any uh, any comments. So well, I read the comments pretty often on your uh, on your work, and people are people are actually very nice to you in the comments. So I generally they speaking, don't get crazy. They get crazy sometimes. I, I would say I will say I I will do this a little bit and never read the comments. Um, and I want to make like a separate video on it. Mm-hmm. But did you catch the interview with Da where Da poo poo everything on, up? Yeah. Did you see what everyone was commenting on in that video? No, I didn't read the comments on that one. Oh, so there was a woman who was walking around behind us, and it looked like I was looking at her. Like, I kept, like, checking her out. <laughs> it's not oh, what man. happened. It absolutely looks like it. I'm not even <laughs> going to try to pretend like it didn't. Okay. But I will, and never read the comments <laughs> in 10 minutes, I will reveal what I was actually looking at, well, which is wait. far more sorry and sad. Actually, it's <laughs> not. Like, we shouldn't be ogling okay. women. That's that's not a thing. Women are not there as, for, as, as things for us to look at. They're people. Um, but it is far less exciting, certainly, and far less, uh, far more pragmatic than the mischief that it appeared I was up to. Um, so we will... <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny, too, because you know who was sitting at the table with me, like, a cr- on the other side of the camera? Oh. It was Rachel. Like, my wife was there. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's y'all were getting funny. it in out there, man. Getting the workouts and you, you were one of my favorite people to follow during Super Week, man. You did a hell of a job with the hey, interviews. What, what was your favorite interview? Cont- by the way? Like um, if people, if people want to check stuff out and they don't want to hear me talk about my own well, content, what was your favorite? I like, like when you, I like when you get feisty and push back a little bit. So Lombardi, I, you with Lombardi was like, I would watch that five days a week. Like it was good. I, I understood where he was coming from. He has a negative. That's just his shtick and his bit. It feels like at this point. He's credible, though. He knows his ball. But, like, I thought you made good points, and I like the way you challenged him. I thought it was good. Yeah, there's part of me. Like, it's, it's, I like Justin hard. Pugh, too. That was Pugh good. was great. Yeah, I, I definitely Pugh. want to have, have him back on uh, the show. Actually, I'd really love to get him with Logan because especially now he's – Just uh, two brainiacs in a room. Well, it's I mean, it's also he's played for Cliff, but he also played for Bobby Johnson last year. So, like, That's I want to I want to know how those two mesh. So, I got to huh. – like and I were talking about that the other day. Like, which avenue do we go to? Uh, do we go down there, Syracuse Avenue? Do we go down? Uh, <laughs> There's do we, plenty of them. Yeah, to, that's to, the get point. To, to get to Justin Pugh, but that's definitely uh, definitely someone that we want to get back on the show. All right, so here's uh, what we want to do right now, though. I want to talk a little Wizards. Um, so mm-hmm. the Wizards ultimately don't stand completely pat at the deadline, but they yeah. make one move that was kind of unexpected. Daniel Gafford, of all people winds up getting traded. Gafford uh, gets moved for a first-rounder in Rashawn Holmes. Pretty good return. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then promptly scores 16 and grabs 17 boards against the Wizards the other night uh, in Dallas's win. Uh, as, as Kyle Kuzma said afterwards, that dude's got the easiest job in the world right now. Just wait for Luka to get double, sure. run towards the rim, and know that he'll find you and then yeah. grab every rebound available. Um, but 
I, I think a lot of Wizards fans were upset because Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, yeah. Kyle Kuzma, amongst others, uh, don't get traded. And we learned from Josh Robbins in The Athletic that, in fact, there was a deal on the table for Kuzma that the Wizards go to Kuzma and are like, hey, like we'll do this, but we're not – like." It's kind of your choice on this. Yeah. It's not like a blow us out of the water deal. And Kuz was like, no, I'd rather stay. Um, so are, are you in that group of like, what are they doing? Or do you like the the attempts at chess that this office or this front office is playing? I like the way you put it, right? It feels like there's a little bit of chess going on. The Kuzma thing, just to add a little bit more to, to Josh's reporting, and I also obviously talked to Josh about this as well. As late as, like, Wednesday night, like into the wee hours of Wednesday night, they had a deal on the table with Dallas to to send Kuzma there, and I believe that's probably when that conversation ended up happening, and they decided to pivot the next morning. The big question mark, though, is, like you just mentioned, you still got Tyus Jones on the roster, who's going to be a free agent this summer. You still got DeLone Wright on on the roster, who's going to be a free agent this summer. It makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit as to like why they didn't move off of those dudes in Tyus's case. And I'm sure you've, you've hit on this already, Craig. I think he's highly regarded throughout the league that there's a big sign and trade potential there to where maybe you get better picks than you're getting right now at the deadline. But I don't know, man, we were talking about it during the break. I just feel like Tyus being on the roster not so much DeLone, Shamit as well. Like, they're taking shots away from dudes. And, like, that's more of my thing, especially with the emergence of Corey Kispert and Danny Avdia here over this last, like, month-and-a-half, two-month stretch. Like, those guys need the ball in their hands more. And I understand the conversation of Tyus being a tremendous setup man and, like, having gravity to get these guys shots. But at some point, I think we need to, like, maybe revisit the discussion as to what the ceiling is for Denny Avdi and Corey Kispert, because I think we look at them as like fringe starter rotational players. Corey Kispert may be a starter in this league on a championship team. Denny Avdi may be a starter in this league on a championship team. I think you're getting a lot of good stuff out of them now, but imagine if they had a little bit more freedom on the offensive side of the ball to really show who they could you know, eventually develop into. So you just hit on a couple of things there that I think are interesting. Um, first is that, let me just work in reverse order. Mm-hmm. Denny and Corey are fourth or fifth starters at max on a championship team. And when you're the fourth or fifth starter, that doesn't mean that you need more opportunity. You need to learn how to become a star in that role, right? Like, so opening it up and seeing like, hey guys, be Even the for second Denny? best player. You feel that way? I don't feel like, like if Denny Avi is taking 18 shots a night for you, you're not going to win a championship. And so Denny needs to understand on a championship team, I think now that doesn't mean that uh, during the regular season, he can't have nights like that, uh, but mm-hmm. like playoffs, like what is, what is his optimal role? I think he devotes most of his energy to the defensive end. He gets out and runs and gets you easy buckets in transition. He can handle the ball a little bit, but like in the half court, I'm not putting the ball in his hands. I'm just, I, I would love to see him continue to develop that part of his game. I think he should work on that. But the yes. idea that like, this dude needs more shots. He needs to be a featured part of the offense so that we can figure out what he is. And it's like, you 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 think he could be the a second best player on a championship team? Because if not, why are you giving him a bunch of half court possessions, right? So right. that's that's part of it. And I think Corey is a guy like I think Corey's ultimate side style is someone like a JJ Redick, who you actually do run a lot of offense for, but you run it in part because of his gravity and his mm-hmm. constant motion that creates things and opportunities for others. He's very very yeah. smart. He can attack off the dribble. Like his numbers are tremendous from an efficiency standpoint this year. Um, To the point that I wonder if he could be a huge, like if I was the Lakers, like I would 
I would probably give up a first round pick for Corey. Kisler. Yeah, you got um, to. So yeah. that that's the kind of thing that I think we need to think about. But I, I, here's the analogy that I'll use mm-hmm. when it comes to Bilal, when it comes to these other guys. When you have a, you're baking a cake. How much how much baking do you do, Leno? Not much, Craig. Okay, I like cookies. But he, here's okay. So you, <laughs> let, we can bake cookies day. instead. Let's and if that. the recipe says bake at 400 for 20 minutes. We know that if we try to bake at 800 for 10 minutes, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. And that is what a lot of fans, I feel like, want to do when it comes to player development. Yeah. Is you got to get him shots. You got to get him more, more, more opportunities, more looks, more with the ball in his hands, more this, more that, more minutes. And it's like, you're just trying to burn the kid out? Yeah. Because you can't take a recipe that says bake at 400 for 20 minutes find an, uh, an oven that goes to 800. Those don't really exist outside of like, I don't know, fu- like open fire, yeah. uh, but 800 degrees and cook it for 10 and expect to get a, a perfectly done cookie. These yeah. things take time. Player development takes time and it takes ramping up the, like the opportunities and, and the experiences at a certain pace and level to maximize the player. I know there's a lot of numbers talking about, usage rates at young age for some of the best players in the league, especially when they were teenagers. But like a lot of these guys, they had the usage rate because they were that great. You don't develop into that. Right. And I think that's where people get twisted with some of the numbers is they have their cause and their effect backwards. I, I agree with you saying, I think an increased usage though for Denny specifically, I'm curious to see what the, what the outcome is because sure. the jump he's made from last year to this year to me, is so sizable that you have to wonder, hmm, is he just now starting to get it and we're going to see another leap like that this offseason? Because another thing about it that we kind of like omit is his jump has also come with Bradley Beal not being here. More shots. And the contract that he signed this offseason, when, when you talk to him, he constantly is talking about the confidence that came with that contract. And you can see it when he plays. I'm to the point where with him, it's like, I'm, I'm not saying he's a point guard. And the Luka Doncic comparisons were crazy coming out of his draft. But, like, right, I could see him being a guy that starts for you and then is maybe your lead play initiator with the second unit. So I do agree ultimately what you're saying. They're probably, like, fourth and fifth starters on championship teams. But Denny is like, hmm, he's still young enough. The shot has taken a tremendous step forward. Like Huge step forward. I mean, he's, he's shooting 39% from three. It's year. nuts, Craig. Like, in the attempts, obviously, you want to see those go up so we know if this is real or, or if he's just doing it in the limited sample size. But that's kind of my argument for getting them more opportunities. I don't think it would hurt them. So, I mean, Denny's now 23 years old. And mm-hmm. we talk about this massive leap. And he has. He's he's four points per game. Uh, his rebounding numbers are actually exactly the same. Like, even offensive-defensive rebound splits right. are exactly the same from last year per game. Um, and then his assist number has jumped one per game this year. Um, the transition points is the big thing, and it's kind of like a sure. And, it, and and as as a result, by the way, his field goal percentage has gone from forty three percent to fifty two percent in the huge, field. And right, it, right. another huge part of that is he's he's taking a little bit less from three, but he's getting mm-hmm. much higher quality and making them at a much higher percentage. Um, as he is he is thirty nine point two percent from three. When this you year. read that, it makes me smile, bro. Yeah, That's... for sure. And I, I like to be clear. I think Denny Avi is a really good player. I'm yeah. really happy for Denny. He seems like a great kid. I've really enjoyed talking to him at all times. And he's doing this, by the way in a season where I can't imagine what he's going through mentally considering what's happening in Israel. That's why you're um, the man. And, and that his, up, his, yeah. his homeland. Um, he's got friends and family that he's worried about all the time. Constantly. Um, but with all of that said, like we're talking about a guy that's averaging 13 and six, 13, six and four. 
Like, we're not talking about a guy who's all of a sudden averaging 18 a game. And I but, feel like sometimes that's the way the discussion goes. And it's like, no, yeah. he's averaging 13, which is fine. But, like, if he gets to 15 a game, I'm psyched. That's who I want him to be is a 15-point, right. 7-rebound, 4-assist, shoot it really well from 3, be reliable. But, like, that's your that's your third at best, but probably fourth or fifth starter. Or yeah. I think mm. optimally, like true true optimization for Denny Avi on a championship team, he's the sixth and seventh, or sixth or seventh guy. Maybe closes games. Maybe for finishes because of the defensive ability, right? For sure, I think that's very possible. But I yeah, I do think that sure. he's he's four to seven, not one to three. No, and I and I wasn't saying that. I just. But there's you yeah. might not have been, but you Other know people, you well, know Wiz Twitter. Wiz is a lot of Craig. a lot of people that I don't are know how we're doing on time. I can't believe we've gone this deep into basketball season, and you're a basketball junkie like myself. What do you think about Jordan? Who I'll on the record say, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this. I've gotten to gain a little bit of a rapport with him, trying to understand him as a person and relative to a basketball player, because I think. The mental psyche of everything that's happening with him. Well, is let me before you get too deep. Do you have time to do one more segment? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right, let's do one more segment on that next. Uh, that also gives me a chance during this commercial break to pur- furiously pull comments for never read the comments. We'll talk about pool because I talked about this with Robbins for a while yesterday, and I'm curious to, to dive into it with you. We'll talk about pool uh, next on the Wizards front. And then uh, never read the comments at 545 here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We'll get to never read the comments coming up in about 12 minutes. Uh, We'll also get to the latest from Kansas City in what's trending, as you've likely heard by now, a shooting today at the Kansas City Chiefs parade, kind of at the end of their celebration. Uh, The latest numbers there, uh, 10 victims, 9 wounded, 1 dead. We'll get you more information, and you'll hear from uh, the Kansas City Police Chief coming up in what's trending right now though uh continuing our conversation on the wizards and Lino, i know that you mm-hmm. have made it a point when you go cover games which you do um you go out to capital one and try to get in the the locker room not try to get in like uh you try it as in you make the effort not yeah. as like he fights his way in he's got a credential <laughs> people don't yeah. worry um but you you've talked to jordan Poole quite a bit this yeah. year and i i think that his place on this team is obviously pretty important it's pretty fascinating yeah. and i think opinions are obviously they range not from like oh it's great to like it's a disaster it's a disaster we all know that it's just like yeah. where in the range of disaster is it how fixable is it and, and how big of a problem is it for the wizards it's a problem because they have nine wins to this point and like he was supposed to be a lot better i remember the convos we were having when the trade initially went down i was stamping him uh, most improved player candidate penciling him in for 25 points a night it, it just hasn't been that and I think it's been like that for a couple of different reasons. Just from a basketball standpoint, you go from being the third or fourth option in Golden State to now being the number one option on opposing team scouting reports. He's had to adjust to that. Um, I think there's a mental part of it that he's had to overcome. Being in a new city, he's a kid that grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like He's not a big city kid. I don't even know if the city was Milwaukee. He grew up in Wisconsin. He's not a big city kid. This is... Maybe probably new to him. Like, Jordan is a pretty quiet, reserved person. The one thing being on Twitter, and it's not just Wizards Twitter, which we admit is like a toxic cesspool. Mm. Even, like, national outlets in their coverage of Jordan, it's kind of felt like there's they're out to get my man. And I don't try to, I'm not trying to seem like I'm, like, trying to vouch for Jordan, but some of it's unfair. If we're just looking at it from just a pure basketball standpoint, he's inefficient, not playing well. 
it, no, there's like no way to defend the basketball. Not no and way like, to defend the basketball. There's just it's impossible. Him as a person, though, I think is that's what I'm kind of getting irritated with hearing some of the negative things that people have to say about him because getting to talk to him on a pretty regular basis, like he's a very down to earth dude that is also pretty like aware of what's happening. There's no one that wants to get out of this slump that Jordan Poole is in more than Jordan. That's what I think it's lost with all of this. But for for him moving forward and like how it affects the Wizards, like we were talking about it off air, Craig, the contract that he has isn't bad. I think he's like the 49th highest paid player in basketball right now, which is like Yes, I think he's actually 50. 50th. So like that's not bad at all. To me, I think, and tell me what you think about this, Craig, I feel like he's being used wrong. Um, I, I want to see Jordan on the ball more, being an initiator in high screen and roll action. Like that's that, that's who he is. I would say that is definitely something that I at, at times he at times he uh, feels very uninvolved, and I think that that is a huge part of it. Yeah. We're just like, can you can you get on the ball? Yeah. But I don't know how much of that is Wes and then Brian Keefe versus does Jordan need to be more assertive? And this this is my question with mm-hmm. Jordan. This is like. If I got to sit down with him, I think the conversation that I would like to have, like, I don't know whether I would even ask this if it was over the phone. Like, it would be like, hey, man, I want to sit face to face that you see I can do this with a level of humanity that is not me, like, questioning your place as an NBA basketball player. But, like, I'm really just trying to understand. Is like, when you watch yourself on film, what do you see? Right? Because that's the thing that I think is hard with Jordan. And I think where other players, you know, when you see people, you know, making jokes around the league or whatever. Yeah. And, like, also where people even side with Draymond, where it's like, well, look at Jordan. And it's like, look at Draymond and how he competes versus the way Jordan does. And to be very clear, what Draymond did is unconscionable. Yeah. Um, and Draymond would, by the way, say that. Um, and has said that. He has has apologized for the way that that all went down. Um, point is, when you watch Jordan Poole play basketball, it doesn't match the description of the character that you hear about yeah. behind the scenes. And that, to me, has always been the biggest disconnect, and I don't know what to make of it. And it's why I ask you about it as someone who's been in that locker room. It's why I ask Robbins yeah. about it. Um, if people want to check that out, make sure you go check the podcast feed uh, to, to hear what Josh had to say about kind of this disconnect of this very good person who's been great off the floor, who the organization loves, and this player who often just looks like he doesn't care. And again, the key word is there are looks like. It looks like he doesn't care. Like, watch Jordan Poole play defense and if I'm Jordan Poole watching myself play defense, I'm going, do I did I expect that to work? <laughs> right? Like it's real, there's though, just yeah. this disconnect where I'm like, I've heard how maniacal this dude's work ethic is, how great of a guy he is. And he gets out there and he just has this disposition and demeanor of someone who is not engaged and is not willing to fight to do what it takes to win. I do think it has been better since Brian Keith has gotten here. Him and the rest of the roster, for that matter, Craig, and I'm glad you brought that up. I think they needed a new voice. They're fighting over screens harder. They're just playing harder. Right. There's like an effort to stay in front yes. of, of people on the defensive end. And, and then it becomes up. also like offensively, you know, we watch the intensity with which Corey Kispert plays. And I use that word intentionally because it's like, oh, he runs around screens. And like, yeah, of course he does. He's a great shooter. But it's like anybody could do the movement part. Right. And like, and I've talked to Corey about this multiple times where it's like they, and I talked to Wes about this back in the day and he's like, yeah, no, you're correct. And I'm like, thank you. I'm glad that when I'm watching, I see things uh, on, on some kind of level that is uh, truth. But like when you play basketball, 
and someone runs into your area, you also have to move. Right. And so there's a spacing element to when Corey is running around and like cutting and playing hard and doing these things, he forces others to get involved in a way that they don't, where it's very stagnant when yep. he's not on the floor. And I do think like Jordan has that ability too. And it's part of what makes Steph, Steph. Like the ultimate version of this yep. is Steph Curry because he draws so much attention. And and I've always put, uh, now I'm getting super philosophical in a basketball sense, not like in a life sense. I think everyone can follow along this. But like defense is solving a math problem, right? And it's a bunch of individual equations. And it, Linnell, if I ask you, this is not a trick question, mm -hmm. please, for the love of God, don't overthink it. What is one plus one? Two. Plus one? Three. Plus one? Four. And if I start all of a sudden going plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one, it all of a sudden becomes a lot harder to track right. because one switch of a screen is easy. Correct. Two is hard. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a split cut. Now, I've got this. By the way, what coverage? Are we icing? Are we sending the sideline? Like, yeah. you, there, that rapid or rapidity of decision making is what makes defense in the NBA really hard. Mm -hmm. And when you're stagnant, it's really easy to make individual decisions for help to be in the right place. Yep. And that is where I think someone like Jordan could be a lot more active offensively to put pressure on defenses in the same way that Corey does, in the same way that Steph was, does in Golden State, and some of the best players in the league do. I agree with you 100%. And, like, that's – give you your flowers, bro. Like, you you said it perfectly. For a guy that is so loved in the locker room and people rave about the work ethic and what type of dude he is, I'm going to call it straight up. And I've said this to Jordan. Like, sometimes it looks like you're, he's loafing out there. Right. But, like, these are pro players. Like, of course they're not – Loafing, right? A hundred percent. It just it's hard to watch, and I think especially when you have a young, impressionable team like the Wizards, you, you can't put bad stuff on tape consistently. Which is why I think what you said is spot on. Like I would love to like have a sit down convo to where it's like off the record, and he could like evaluate himself because I think if he I would love himself, to watch tape with Jordan, there's just no way you're going to tell like, me that hey. it's, that's acceptable. Even some of the shot attempts, and the shot attempts I'm a little bit more lenient on, Craig, because as totally. you highlighted, if you're going to be taking 30-foot three-pointers, you better be in the gym taking 30-foot three-pointers, 30-foot three-pointers after practice. And by all accounts, like, that is Jordan. Jordan was a gym rat this summer. Yeah, Ever he's since a creative he here, shot taker and creative shot maker. Yes. It hasn't gone particularly great this year, but, like, that is essentially That's what he do. I think the other thing, too, and I know we're running out of mm -hmm. time here, but, like, the other thing that I think is a mystery that I would love to, like, get Winger or Dawkins or someone to talk about, or Keith, frankly, as a player development guy, is, like, if he doesn't have the athleticism, the the twitchiness that he seemed to have two years ago. And he had he didn't really have it last year in Golden State either. So, like, where did that go? What, what happened? And maybe he's just not... 21 anymore and like the twitchiness you have like we see this with nfl running backs they could still be explosive players but like right. they lose like this twitchiness that that a college athlete has and maybe that's jordan's just like in his mid-20s now and that's that's gone but like it's just figuring out think, how to Craig. get that back like if you watched people fans on twitter did like a montage of his best buckets he just looks night and day from that guy yeah and, and I, I just, it's, wild. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, I, really, I think he'll turn I, it around. I really though. hope he does turn it around. If he yeah. doesn't, though, I think it's important to remember the cap is going up. Yeah. Jordan Poole's cap hit will cap out in year four at like $34 million. Not that And bad. in that year, like Dame or LeBron, if they're still around by then, will be making like 78. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's like the real number. So, wow. um, or somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, like a 30, a 30 million contract 
a million dollar a year contract which is not remotely in terms of percentage of the cap what it used to be what you're saying is me and you should have worked on our jumpers a little bit longer when we were kids uh, i don't think that my jumper would have been enough linnell but your jumper's not the problem though because you could actually stroke it i give you that i can i can shoot it all right not nba all right but i can shoot it all right yeah the athleticism piece is uh it's huge tremendously <laughs> missing uh in yeah. the scope of nba athleticism all right when we sure. get back a uh, very quick edition of never read the comments that mitch tischler joins us coming up at 6 o'clock. First, a uh, quick look at what's trending. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. All right, uh, Anthony, I think we might actually do a wacky version of Never Read the Comments. I think we might just address the one controversy that uh, has erupted in our comments section. There's there's there is some uh, obvious sports takes and, and things, but we're short on time. Mitch Tischler is joining us at the top of the hour. Uh, We're excited to talk to Mitch about all things Commander's coaching staff. So, uh, Anthony, let's go ahead and and fire up the comments and let's address a thing that happened on Radio Row. We tried to warn them. They didn't listen. Every week, the Hoffman Show goes into the belly of the beast. We read those comments, baby. Never read the comments. All right. uh, Never read the comments. Typically what we do is we take your comments from the week of our videos on YouTube at Craig Hoffman at the Team 980, and we read the comments and we talk about your sports takes and all of those things. However, uh, Anthony, today there is something that needs to be addressed, something that is quite frankly hilarious. It is one of the funniest things that has happened to me on the Internet and um, I'm just like, I think I'm about to disappoint a lot of people. I will also say that I think a lot of people are going to tell me that they don't believe me, but I'm going to give you the truth because it's too stupid to make up otherwise. And that's how that's going to go down. So Anthony, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you teased it earlier, but I'm going to start before you even tell your story. I don't believe you, Craig. I'm oh, I believe. Thanks. Thanks. No, you're going to believe me on this one. You, you actually know me well enough to, yes. to believe me on this one. Yeah. So, um, our video with DA blew up. And it, it blew up because what happened, Anthony? What did what did DA say that that video blew up? Uh, he said, uh, mm. Cliff Kingsbury is the biggest fraud in football. Yes. I forgot that quote. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. We have a, a no, a kind of a no hot takes rule on the show. Mm-hmm. We're like, if someone says something, I, we shouldn't say no hot takes, but we have a don't take a quote out of context rule. Yeah. Right. Where if I say something and maybe it can be can, like it comes off in print stronger than I meant it. Anthony will be like, hey, can I put that quote up? And sometimes we will be like, you know what? Yeah. Like I'm comfortable with that. I know people are going to say it's clickbait or whatever, but like. I meant what I said, and people, if they want more context, can listen. Other times where I'm like, no, I know I said that, but like the headline doesn't really put it in context. And Anthony texted me, and he's like, can I use that quote? And I was like, hey, DA went flamethrower. (laughs) Yes, you can use that quote. Is it clickbait? Sure, but like what else are we supposed to headline the segment? That is the accurate reflection of what happened during that segment. DA Mm -hmm. went on a rant, and, and so a lot of eyes were on that video. Here's the thing about that video, Anthony, though. A lot of eyes weren't on me. A lot of eyes weren't on DA. Next to us was the ESPN affiliate in Wichita, 
And they were nice enough to split their table with a young woman who's a relatively young woman. She looked like she was maybe my age, maybe a little bit younger. Yeah, I just called myself young. What's up? I got one of those today, too, uh, by the way. On, I think it was my Greg Berhalter interview. Someone was like, this young man's a great interviewer. And I was like, I will take that as a compliment on my youthful looks because I turn 34 next week. And if that still counts as young, I'll take it. But anyway, this woman uh, was next to us and she was grinding all week, like mad respect. She didn't really have like a table because, you know, just because you have a press pass to Radio Row doesn't mean you actually have a setup. And the ESPN station was nice enough to like let her set up there and use like part of her table, their table for a while. And that kind of wound up being in the background of some of our shots. Well, at the time that DA sat down, this woman was seemingly trying to find someone and she was behind us for a lot of the interview. And that caught the eyes of a lot of sad men on the internet. I'm going to just presume that they're sad men because the thirst was real. Now, with that said, <laughs> there's a lot of comments like, let's see, uh, Basement Studio, which I think says it all, 7574. These two dopes need to realize what's going on behind them and GTF out of the way. Uh, wow. Yeah, we got... Uh, let's see. Uh, I only at RJ 42997. I only ended up watching this for one reason. Uh, Renji 26. I think we know who the MVP of this clip was. Lotta, Lotta. Yeah. Uh, these are some sick guys. Yeah. Like, fellas, <laughs> settle down. Relax. Leaving a comment on my YouTube page ain't going to help you get her or anybody else. Mm -hmm. That's not how, that's not how the world works. Um, so now people that like have seen this clip and maybe even left comments are like, Craig, well, what about you? Because you certainly looked like your eyes were on this lady in red as well. And Anthony, let me tell you the comments on this are out of control. Uh, we have an Englishman, E T S I D A N, uh, 7,003 says, uh, is that your lass in the red, Craig? I hope so. Lass is English slang for women. I, bro, I got married in the UK. I think I know what lass means. Also, I'm like alive. Uh, Rivera J33. <laughs> that lady in red got you distracted, bro. Uh, G Fatty 9038. Hey, Craig, keep your attention on your guests and not the lady in the red. Like, uh, Craig seems fascinated with the lady in the red. Literally, Anthony, dozens of comments. Keith Henry. That red got you unfocused, Craig. Laughing emojis. They were uh, having a field day. Big dog channel. Even Hoffman can't keep his eyes off her. So, here's, here's the thing about what happened. This. One, every single one of you dudes who said that she's in a red dress, you need to learn your fashion. It was a pantsuit. Um, two, much more importantly, Anthony, do you want to know who I was actually looking at? What time of the show was this? So this was 5 o'clock Eastern. Kevin Harlan. No, it was not. It was DA was on. Uh-huh. And I am going to... Can I do this without exposing anything? Yeah, I can. Um, So at 5 o'clock on the dot, as DA sits down, Bomani Jones texts me because Bo was scheduled for 2.15, okay. a.k.a. 5.15, because yeah. we're out in the Pacific time. Next, I tell him what table we're at. But in my mind, I'm like, I got to keep my eye out for Bo. And if you look in that video, I don't know, Anthony, if you have it up right now. I literally just pulled it up. So, it like, you're watching Grant. it. Is that Andy Reid? 
No, it. <laughs> no, the Andy. Oh, that's it's the, guy the Andy Reid lookalike. Oh, and it yeah, looks yeah, a lot okay. like Andy Reid, doesn't okay, it? Okay, yeah. So, but if you look, if you scroll a little bit and watch, and you see, it definitely looks like I'm looking at this woman who's in the red pantsuit. But if you look behind her, Bomani had walked into the the area of Radio Row that was like off off to the right there. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to make sure because those table numbers weren't actually that helpful that if I needed to flag down Bomani, I needed to keep eyes on Bo. So as DA is going on his rant and it looks like that woman is walking around. And by the way, there was times that I was looking at her, I will admit, but it was also because she was talking to my actual wife, Rachel, about coming over to our table and using some of our space because the Wichita station needed there. So we had been in contact. And by we, I mean my wife was talking to her and I wanted to make sure that like everything was okay there. But what I was really looking at, if you look beyond the woman in the red, which most of you proved incapable of doing, was Bomani Jones yep. behind her, which yep. Anthony, you see, and I you see, see Bomani, yep. and where am I looking? You were looking at him. Yeah, because I wanted to make sure that Bo knew where to go. Where but to also, go. I'm looking at this video, and she's also looking at you guys. And also, she was talking to a lot of people in the area. I, yeah, she I guess like about- she t- during that segment, she definitely talked to Rachel. Yeah, and that to me is the funniest part of it because we got a, some comments saying like, "Oh, I hope your wife doesn't see this." And I'm like, "My wife saw it in first person and had no problems because she <laughs> knew where my eyes actually were going." Yeah. So I am sorry to uh, actually. I'm not sorry. I if that disappoints you, that says more about you than me. Um, but that is the truth of what happened on wow. Radio Row with the lady in red. I hope that she got great content and she had a great week. Um, I'm glad that we were able to help her out with a little bit of space at some point. Uh, But no, my wife is not mad at me. Yes, she found this hilarious. I, at first, was like, I have no... Like, I got mad at the first one. I was like, what are you talking about? What are you accusing me of? And then I I got like seven more and I was like, okay, this... Clearly, I was looking at something. What was it? (laughs) Oh, it was Bo. That's what happened. That's the truth. That's actually funny. It's hilarious uh and i'm willing to laugh at it it's a good time some of you need to get out of the house more when we get back here on the hoffman show mitch tischler joins us to talk about the latest additions to the commander's coaching staff and how they can block it up in 2024 in cliff kingsbury's offense that is next here on the team 980 It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. Uh, we're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We will, we're going to reschedule with Mitch. Uh, and Good for 6.30 for Mitch. Is he good? Okay. So we'll, we'll talk to Mitchell Tischler coming up at 6.30 uh, about the commander's coaching staff. But uh, just before the hour break, we got word that any moment in Kansas City, there will be a police briefing on the shooting today that happened at the Chiefs Parade. Uh, if you are just getting out of work and you haven't really heard anything about this. There were shots fired near the end of the chief celebration today in Kansas city near the union station area. There's one person already confirmed dead by Kansas city police, uh, somewhere between nine and 15 others injured. There's also been some reports that many of them, uh, were children. Uh, this was near children's mercy hospital in Kansas city. Um, so we will get confirmation, uh, or an update on that any moment when the police, 
take to the podium. Uh, we have our eye on the news channels now. Uh, CNN specifically uh, is where we're going to get our feed from. So uh, thanks to them for for the live coverage. So when uh, right now they've got like a panel of people, they had an empty podium moments ago, but when that they go back to the podium and there is uh, someone in front of it, we will uh, take you live to Kansas City and get the latest updates. This uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs organization uh, just a little bit ago. We are truly saddened by the senseless act of violence that occurred outside of Union Station at the conclusion of today's parade and rally. Our hearts go out to the victims, their families, and all of Kansas City. We're in close communication with the mayor's office as well as the Kansas City Police Department. At this time, we have confirmed that all our players, coaches, staff, and their families are safe and accounted for. We thank the local law enforcement officers and first responders who were on scene to assist um, in terms of the sports world, obviously tremendously scary uh, on that front. And look, you know, people are people, whether they're connected to sports or not. Um, the fact that the the person who died today had was not a member of the Chiefs organization or a friend or a family uh, and was just there to be a fan doesn't make it any less tragic uh, in any sense. But this is something that hit the sports world, obviously, particularly hard because of the event that it was at. Um, you had you know, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Chiefs fans there. I saw Matt Miller, who's from the Kansas City area, say that he had to text his family to be like, are you guys okay? Um, you know, Fox Sports 1 had a set set up, and Nick Wright, um, who is a Kansas City guy, was there, and his family's there, and, you know, they he tweeted out, like, hey, we're all okay. Like, we, the Fox Sports 1 crew on set, had to to pull had to you know go hide Tom Pelissero NFL Network said like their crew was pulled out uh, to go uh, hide and, and make sure that they were safe and so it's just it, it's a reminder of like these people that I, I guess the reason I bring that up is like someone like Nick someone like Tom uh, these players these coaches like these are people that we know and uh, if they were to suddenly disappear because they were victims of gun violence like we would feel that tragedy in a different way but. Obviously, uh, the loss of life is the loss of life, and um, there's at least one family feeling that tragedy today. We'll get more in just a moment from Kansas City. Um, I, I also just, you know, I, I'm not going to do a whole commentary on this, at least today, um, we, in part because to do commentary when we don't have all of the facts would not be correct. Um, the one thing that I can safely say, no matter what happened, whether this was a terrorist attack, whether this was a, a interpersonal argument that was happening with nothing to do with the parade is this celebration of joy all of a sudden is ruined by gun violence and whether it had been gun violence, knife violence, uh, whatever, like I think where we are now with especially gun violence in America with the prevalence of it is we may all disagree on the solutions for these problems, but I, I hope that, it doesn't take many more of these and them to happen in a grocery store, at a parade, at whatever, to realize that like we gotta we gotta work on something to make this happen less. And again, do I have thoughts on that? Absolutely I do. Um, is this the forum on a sports talk show as we await a press conference following a shooting at a at a Super Bowl parade to necessarily express that? Uh, no. Um, you know, you guys come to me for takes on the commander's coaching staff. You don't come to me for my political thoughts. And I understand that there are times that I think they intersect in a way that it's meaningful. And I'm not going to say I'm never going to talk anything that is political on the show, because I think politics is life uh, and politics policy is life. Like 
again, I've, I've said this before, if you think like political policies don't affect your life, then go drive down the street and see the speed limit. Like politicians decided what that speed limit would be. Like it has an effect on all of us in ways that are micro and macro. Um, but the fact that you could be anywhere in America and be touched by gun violence, no matter what you think the solutions are, I think is something we can all agree on needs to needs to get rectified. And, um, you know, we, I, I hope that we can have civil discussions about what it would be if things were different in some capacity, um, what those capacities are. Again, is a, is a debate for a different show at a different time. And but at, at the end of the day, like this is just a reminder that we do have a problem. Um, and if you look at the, the data and the statistics from around the world, our, our problem is pretty unique here in this country. And um, in some ways, there is a, um, I don't know the word I want to use here, but there is there is an appropriateness, I guess, of it happening at this incredibly uniquely American event with it being a Super Bowl parade. Um, and so, you know, this this American celebration of joy, this American celebration of happiness of community gets gets turned on its head into this tremendously sad and tragic american tragedy um and it's just it's just brutal um it just i i don't again i don't have many more words because what what do you say um what do you say at a time like this um again the the police briefing was supposed to begin about 10 minutes ago um in kansas city um anthony let's let's take a break we'll come back We'll either talk to Dave Johnson from New Orleans or we will get the police briefing. If we decide to just go forward with the show and talk to Dave, um, then we will let you know the updates on what they said before we talk to Mitch Tischler coming up at 630. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, we got about 10 minutes here with Dave Johnson one more time before the All-Star break, so uh, let's get into it, shall we? Time to get the radio party started. Blocked by Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, oh, boy, did he stuff him. Left wing pool, wow. there. Oh, that's a pool party. Yeah, the basket slam right there. Oh, stealing the oh, slam. You better go Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh, that'll jar your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. Big, big shot. On the Hoffman Show. Hey, hey, you better go on. Dave with us from New Orleans. Uh, Dave, how are you, sir? And when did you guys get into New Orleans? Have you had a chance uh, to to uh, to properly eat in that fine food city. Well, I, I did, but I'll, I'll disappoint you with that. We got in yesterday, and, and you, you might have heard a rumor about Fat Tuesday and, and Mardi Gras. And oh I was like yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Two blocks from where I was, there was like seven hundred thousand people having a good time. But you can trust if there's a good time to be had, I'm probably two blocks away from it. So I, I did not partake <laughs> in any, any of that. But I did have. Uh, I was forced into, I know it sounds like a big sacrifice, forced into trying a hurricane, which is a, a drink oh. uh, down here. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I just, you know, in the emphasis or, or under the auspices of research, I, I did have one hurricane uh, just to say I was here in New Orleans. Um, how how are I, you I, doing it, today after that hurricane? Dave? No, I just I just had one. I just okay. had that's all I had. But, yeah, this town. You know, when I sat down to breakfast this morning, I saw cocktails on the menu <laughs> next to oh, the yeah. eggs and bacon. I thought, you know, this this town definitely likes likes the party. So there's there's no question they like a, a good time here. As I look at a uh, 
uh, a nice plaque, uh, uh, which is a tribute to Fats Domino and his song Walking uh, to New Orleans. But yeah, this is, uh, you can have a lot of fun in the city, but this, this honestly, and I'm not just saying that in case somebody in our accounting department is listening, this is very much a business trip for me. So all my expenses are legit. There you go. Uh, well, if you guys are not flying back because of All-Star, like uh, first thing you know after the game tonight, and you have breakfast there tomorrow morning, uh, I would highly recommend the Ruby Slipper. Fantastic uh, outfit. I can also text you some other recommendations. Uh, my favorite favorite food city in America. I'm now excited a year away uh, thinking about going to the Super Bowl there next year. Um, so, yeah, may, that could be fun. Anthony, now we're talking about a trip. Could we go to the Super Bowl and then stay for Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday? Yeah. yeah. I'm down. That's what you guys should do. That's what you guys should do. And maybe – Maybe I'll, somehow I'll tag along because you guys sound like you get a lot of fun at Radio Road this year in Las Vegas. So yeah, we did, uh, and Anthony again. didn't even come. Imagine if he comes next year, Dave. That would be no. That would be amazing. It is. Uh, it's a party, but no, I'll, I'll save Ruby Slipper for next year because we're we're out of here right after the game tonight. After uh, look, I think this team can, can snare a win. This it's building up when you think about you know the way they played against the the Celtics on the road, uh, the Sixers. Dallas early Monday night, uh, it, it just fine margins. You, you make a few shots in the fourth quarter, and, and at the t- same time you got stops. That that game could have been different. So um, there's a real energy in, in progress. It's almost it's it'll be good to have a break, but in some ways the way they're playing, uh, it's a shame that it has to stop tonight. Yeah, no doubt. Um, unfortunately, uh, the news just out a little bit ago that Kyle Kuzma is not going to play tonight. He's sick. That obviously makes the task harder. But generally speaking, Dave, you talk about that competitiveness level. And we talked about when they made the move to Brian Keefe, they just needed a new voice. What have you seen that new voice uh, pull out of this team that maybe uh, had run a little bit stale earlier in the year that is causing these much more competitive games as of late? Well, and again, I don't think it's anything against West Unsell, but I think it's just human nature. You, you suddenly, when there's a jarring shakeup, uh, you know, the, the accountability smacks you in the face. And, um, and, and so I, I think... As Denny has talked about, a lot of players talk about they're, they're being using that word accountable. You know, better first of all in, in one-on-one defense. You can have all the defensive schemes you want, but if you don't if you don't stop at the point of attack, then you're just scrambling. And that's that's quite frankly what was happening to the Wizards. You know, a lot of the season, and then that that you know impacts the rebounding. When you look at why the, the Wizards don't have more wins, it's 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 because of if as I said, we've talked ad nauseum. If, if you're going to get out-rebounded, you better out-three-point shoot the other team. It's a simple math equation. And, you know, that hasn't happened, obviously. So uh, that's the, the trade-off when you think, all right, the Wizards aren't a good rebounding team, but if they can make 15 or 16 threes, they can win some games. And that's, that's not been – well, that's, you know, that's 15 or 16 threes a game puts you at the top of the NBA. But <laughs> my point is making more than they have been uh, on average. But you think about – um, Monday night against the Dallas Mavericks, and that's that's an elite team. Uh, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, um, uh, the way they defended throughout that game. And yes, you're going to look at the the stat line, and Luka Doncic, I think, still had 100 assists or whatever he had. But uh, you know, they did make other players try to to, to beat them, and uh, they played it. The key here is they they really did play it for 48 minutes. Uh, you know, I, I'm just think about that game. You know, there's there's you're down by six, you get a stop. Uh, and, and you miss a three that would have cut the lead in half. It was just – but, you know, that's what happens. In, in, often, especially when you're up against a team like Dallas, they're the ones that, that will find a way to close it, and we're still not there yet. Uh, but, but the, you know, what Kyle Kuzma also said post game, I thought was interesting, that, you know, they were throwing defenses out there that they hadn't even practiced. 
uh, yet. And yet uh, they were doing it and trying it. And um, so I, I think it, 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 it's exciting what's going to happen the final, whatever it is, 20-plus games. You know, they're just going to go out. They're going to scrap. Uh, you're going to see guys. You know, this will be, after we get back from the All-Star break, the final audition um, uh, for many guys to, to what the decision process will be in the summer. So, um, you know, that bodes well for a Wizards team that, by the way, will finally have a home advantage in terms of the number of home games versus row. Now, I say that right after the All-Star break, we started Denver and Oklahoma City. Congratulations. But, but eventually, <laughs> we're going to get some home games. So. Yeah, back right back on the plane you go, Dave. Uh, Dave Johnson with us here for another minute or two. Um, you know, you're with this team, obviously, on the road uh, and, and everywhere they go. And I think it would be pretty obvious to most people, and it would be correct on most teams to say that if you've won nine of your first 50-whatever games this has been, that it's probably a pretty miserable place to be. And you've certainly been around some team planes like that over the years. But I just get I get the sense, and, and everyone recovering this team keeps telling me, like, no, this is a good group. They're upbeat. They're together. What's it like being with that team on a day-to-day basis through they're, they're, wins and losses uh, seeming not irrelevant, but, like, you know, it sh- the mood should be much worse based off the record. Well, it's it, 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 what's relevant to them, it's like what Kyle Grisman said after the game the other night, uh, that, that they feel like they're getting better. So they're not focused on whatever it is, a seven-game losing streaker. or uh, they, they feel and they know uh, in the, the eye test, the continuity test, whatever test you want to uh, say, they know that they're getting better as a team. And, and I think also, you know, Josh Robinson, the athlete, had the story about, you know, Kyle Kuzma, uh, it was was you know the Mavericks were interested in him and him and Michael Winger proposed that to Kyle Kuzma and he said no no I'm I'm staying I want to stay with the Wizards and again that didn't surprise me because you know when he re-signed this summer uh, it, it, he knew what he was coming back to who he knew he was coming back to a team that was starting over a building process and he wanted to uh, to be a part of that and I, I think it also shows how this Wizards team is is operating that. You know, uh, Kyle Kuzma says that in the summer, but do a temperature check in in February, and if and uh, because you don't want somebody that doesn't want to be here, but he very much uh, wants to be here and and be a part of this. He's won a championship, and that's uh, to say he doesn't want to win another one. But the point is, it's a different dynamic when you can put your your own handprints, footprints, whatever you want to call it, on the ultimate success of this team, and that's what's been afforded. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, and that's what has been afforded Denny Avdia, who continues to go strength for strength. And we knew this before the season. You know, the, the measuring stick will not be wins and losses, uh, but it will be because three years from now, we're not going to remember whether it was nine wins or not, whatever. It, it's, it's, you know, did we discover players uh, that are better? Could, uh, are they better in February? Than they were in November. You look at Denny Abdi, you go right down the list, and it, it, Tyus Jones just had a, a career assist, 16, and he's scoring more, and he's having a career year. Um, these are these are all metrics that you know right now, quite frankly, means more than the wins and losses. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. Uh, the growth is the point right now, and then eventually that growth will lead to wins down the road. Dave Johnson will be on the call for it all tonight. Oh, God, Dave, game time tonight. Where are we? What's the broadcast situation? Uh, fill everybody in. 7, 7.45. And we're on, I hope we're on Team 980 because that's what I've been saying all day, but I'm pretty sure 7.45. Now, I, that part I know. I think that's correct. I, get, I just get messed yep. up when you are not next. 
if I if I know right. that I have to toss to BetMGM tonight or you know, you know Terps right. talk or something, and then we get to Dave, then then I'm lost. But okay, seven forty five tonight. Dave will be there on your radio here on the Team 980. Dave, have a great All Star break. We will talk to you. Uh, I'm out next week, but we'll talk to you when when I return and when you return. All right, all the best. All right, that is Dave Johnson with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, meanwhile, the tonight's opponent, the Pelicans, Anthony. Um, they're just they're just another team in the Western Conference, which means that they are red hot playing good basketball. Um, they are currently the sixth seed. They are six and four in their last ten games. You'd think a winning record in your last ten games and two straight wins, they're going for third or three straight tonight, would would be able to boost you up in the standings, right? Think that that would be helpful? I think so. Yeah, well, uh, try it. No, because every single team in the top seven right now is at least six and four in their last ten games. The T Wolves, top seed in the Western Conference, they're seven and three. The Thunder are six and four. Clippers are seven and three. The Nuggets, Suns, and Pelicans are all six and four. The Mavs are seven and three. The lowly Sacramento Kings are just five and five in their last ten. And then the Lakers and Warriors are both seven and three in their last ten. The West is on fire. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think we always knew you know the west was loaded and it's just you know i think teams are barely healthy they're playing up to their you know their standard to a to an extent and uh the race in the west is just going to be tight i if you're 10 right now and you could easily be three like in a month or two like well that gap's a little bit wider but if you're six right now you could you could maybe get up so the the warriors are 10 right now they're 26 and 25 um the thunder are two 37 and 17 uh, but like the Pelicans are thirty-two and twenty-two, they're ten games over five hundred. Which, by the way, like there's some weird discrepancies in the number of games that have been played uh, for some of these teams as well. Um, but thirty-two and twenty-two, where the uh, the the Thunder are thirty-seven and seventeen. Um, but yeah, they're the, the Clippers obviously have been on fire since they got hardened and then straightened out the Kings. Uh, the Nuggets are just plugging along at the four seed. Meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got winning teams all the way through. They're 26 and 25 are the Warriors in the 10 seed. The Hawks are 24 and 30, and they are the 10 seed in the East. Nice. Yeah. The East so. is is always going to be the East. I, I think the, the West will always be superior, and the East will always be superior. It it inferior. You got to. I mean, more. inferior. I mean, yeah. Wow, I used the same word twice. You sure did. Nice. Uh, it's all right. We're just going to keep it rolling. But, like, I don't know. It's pretty wild, man. Because, like, you know, the Hornets. Yeah, who would your, who would your Pistons, favorite be? The Pistons are eight and forty-five. The Wizards are nine and forty-four. The Hornets are twelve and forty-one. But the Hornets have a minus eleven point four point differential. Wow. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's so bad. What were you? What did you ask me? Uh, if you had to guess, who would your your favorite be coming out of the West? The just looking at it right now. If they could stay healthy, the Clippers actually feel good about that. Okay. If I get to put the qualifier, if they say healthy. Now, if you ask me if the Clippers, I think the Clippers are going to stay healthy. Are the Clippers going to stay healthy? Or do you think they are? I'm going to hide under this desk now. (laughs) Because that is always... And it's crazy because Kawhi had been fairly healthy all season and he just went out with a shoulder strain. Great. Right Right on cue. All right, Mitch Tischler joined us to talk about the commander's coaching situation as they hired yet another former NFL head coach, Anthony Lynn, today 
next here on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, we'll get to Mitch uh, Tischler in just a moment, but uh, we will give you a sobering update from Kansas City first. Um, the There are now three people detained and under investigation in the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. There's also been a second person confirmed dead, a uh, mom in the, from the suburban Kansas City area. Um, unfortunately, one of the things we were hearing uh, and was kind of floating around has now been confirmed by police that nine of the victims, uh, or excuse me, 11 of the victims are children, nine children with gunshot wounds. Um, just a terrifying day in Kansas City on what should have been an ultimate celebration of joy for their Chiefs winning yet another Super Bowl. So um, that is the latest from Kansas City. Three under arrest, uh, two dead, uh, about somewhere between 10 and 15 injured, 11 of which uh, are children. So that is the latest from Kansas City. No easy transition, no transition really, just a hard, hard, hard left turn uh, to return to talking about the commanders and their coaching staff and to get some great perspective on what is next for Washington now that they have essentially filled out their staff. Uh, let's bring in Mitch Tischler, our good buddy from Monumental Sports, host of the Beltway Football Podcast. Uh, Mitchell, all things considered, especially after the news of the day, how are you? Yeah, uh, I mean, doing well. It's uh, unbelievable that we're dealing this with this again in this country. And I say unbelievable, but totally believable because nothing ever changes. And, and I don't know at what point something does change, but it's got to. Yeah. I'm in, I'm into that. Well said. Um, so we'll just, we'll stick to what we do, uh, best, at least, at least, uh, where they pay us for, and that is to talk ball. Um, the Anthony Lynn hires, obviously the splashiest one of the day. Um, and especially, I don't know how, where you were on the Bobby Johnson hire, but now seeing this offensive staff come together with Lynn is kind of the final piece, by the way, uh, Nikki Javala reporting that he gets the running running backs coach title on top of running game, uh, coordinator. How do you feel about this, this offensive staff under Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, I mean, well, I think you have to look across the board, offense and defense of what Dan Quinn has done. And, uh, He's brought in a lot of guys who have a lot of experience, a lot of Super Bowls. You have people from all different realms of the sport, from uh, pre former players to longtime coaches to, you know, guys who have been coordinators, who have been position coaches. I, I like the diversity of the of the hires that, that he's made. And when you look on the offensive side of the ball, really, to me, the only question, you know, was kind of the Bobby Johnson hire, which is, you know, certainly on paper, uh, doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. Um, the one thing that I know about Bobby Johnson is that he's a fiery dude and he's going to match Dan Quinn's intensity on the practice field, you know, a la Eric Bieniemy. you know, last year, he's a guy who's not going to be quiet on the sidelines and not going to be quiet on the practice field. Now it's all just like with Eric Bieniemy; it's good and great to, to yell and be loud and demand excellence. It's a different thing to actually produce results. So, uh, certainly, I'm interested to talk to Cliff and and uh, Dan Quinn hopefully tomorrow about kind of some of the thoughts and reasonings behind that hire, you know, him over other guys that were available. But to make a turn and then go bring in Anthony Lynn as your running back coach slash, you know, running game coordinator, to me is just is such a splash and a home run hire. He's a guy who has a ton of experience uh, across the league in multiple different roles and Obviously, most recently, you know, working with the Niners and that run game and, and uh, you know, and that running back in Christian McCaffrey, 
you can only hope that, you know, he's able to bring some of the success that we saw San Francisco uh, have in the run game and, and bring that over to Washington. Obviously, uh, we'll be able to ask Cliff about this tomorrow. Uh, the coordinators meet the press tomorrow at 2.30. We'll carry it live here on the Team 980. But it, for your, like, without getting to ask uh, your perspective, like how does, or what does the fact that he's hired Anthony Lynn, not an air raid guy, Bobby Johnson, not an air raid guy, Brian Johnson, not an air raid guy, tell you about Cliff's willingness to either adapt his offense, bring in different perspectives? Like what is the... What does that variety tell you about where Cliff is at this point in his career? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an important thing, much like we heard from Dan Quinn, uh, you know, uh, I guess last week, two weeks ago, when he spoke about kind of taking a 360 view and self-evaluating, you know, where he went. I think you can see that on a little bit, you know, more of a micro level with Cliff Kingsbury here, because, you know, some of his, some of the, uh, some of the constraints of his offenses um, in Arizona were, kind of lack of a of a true running game, you know, running back running game, not necessarily quarterback running game. And the fact that his offense has got a little bit stale as the seasons went on. And, you know, we've seen offenses, you know, Chip Kelly in, in Philadelphia who want to go fast all the time and, and want to, you know, throw the ball all over the field. You know, you can wear out a defense if, if you're not successful doing that. So I like the idea of, you know, of bringing in some folks with some different views. And, and I think Brian Johnson will be – a really interesting piece um, of both the quarterback development and also kind of the, the totality of, um, of, of, uh, of the run-pass split uh, in a Cliff Kingsbury offense. But the one word that I've gotten so sick of hearing from Commanders fans and from folks, you know, as we went through the head coaching process was, was poach. Everyone was concerned about an OC getting poached if you brought in a defensive head coach. Well, now you see an offense that has layers. There are multiple guys on this offense who have been in OC, have called plays, have been in charge of a group. And let's say the best case scenario happens, which we're all rooting for. And this Cliff Kingsbury offense goes out and is a top 10 offense. And, you know, Cliff gets a job right away. You have layers here. Anthony Lynn can easily step in and be your next offensive coordinator. Brian Johnson might step in and be your next offensive coordinator. So you have guys who have been there and done that before, and you're creating an ecosystem where, Losing one coach isn't going to crush your entire team. Mitch Tischler, Beltway Football Pod, uh, and you guys are known to take a bet or two occasionally on that podcast. Uh, I would actually be curious if if I could get odds on Cliff or Brian Johnson getting a promotion next, and I probably would bet on Johnson. Like I, I think that it would be easier for Brian Johnson to get hired away from here as an OC next year and get poached than it would be for Cliff to to be a head coach unless this offense is like the best offense in the league next year with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. I think kind of one of the nice things about hiring a guy like Cliff Kingsbury is things went so bad at the end in Arizona there that I, I think there might be some hesitancy around the league to hire him as, as a head coach again, at least immediately right away without kind of a little bit of rebuilding of, of reputation there. Uh, you know, Brian Johnson didn't exactly get a fair shake in Philly last year, and he walked into a situation where it was Super Bowl or bust. And I think, you know, we can look at some of the things that are happening with the players in that locker room and recognize that, you know, I don't think it was as tight of a locker room as it may have been in previous years. And Brian Johnson was kind of the, the fall guy there as, as far as the offense went, much like Steve Wilkes is taken right now in, in San Francisco, which is, kind of crazy that, that that it's going down the way that it is. 
uh, out there in the Bay Area. But I, I don't mean to, to take a sidetrack there. No, I, I the Wilkes thing is nuts to me. I just I the thing I can't get out of my head is Kyle calling that timeout as Mahomes marched down the field again at the end, and it's just like, hey, dude, they're clearly have figured out what you're doing. Can you please do something else? And I would just wonder if that moment couldn't get out of Kyle's head or they talked after the season and there was some kind of disagreement. I don't know. But Wilkes, all Wilkes does is produce wins and get fired. And that just seems very silly. Um, on I'm back, one of the best linebackers in yeah. football, crazily blows out his ACL, you know, in the middle of the first half. And, you know, they still are able to hold that, that, that Chiefs, that Chiefs uh, offense in check. I, I I think this might have been a uh, a little bit of a maturity check for uh, for Kyle out there, and and I, I don't know that this is the the best move that he's made since he's uh, started taking over uh, uh, football teams. The only thing I can think of that would make sense is if someone else, like I'll throw out this name just for the most splash effect, uh, and also because I don't think of anyone else in particular, but like if Belichick called him and was like, "I'll be your DC," <laughs> then you go, "Okay, sorry, Steve." Uh, we're gonna take we're gonna take Belichick, or if you know maybe he wants to go hire Brandon Staley or something who was great as a DC for Sean um, in his one year in LA. But like, unless there's something else lined up, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I I think between the amount that we've heard about kind of the relationship between John Lynch and Kyle, and obviously with Adam Peters kind of tying it in locally, I, I think you're looking at the situation where Kyle is a very good football coach. No one's going to, you know, say, you can't say anything about his X's and O's because the offenses that he produces are very good. But I think you're seeing maybe a guy who's more situated to being a coordinator than being a, uh, than being a, um, a head coach. And when we look at kind of the hires around the league and, you know, all the consternation about what happened with, you know, Ben Johnson and, and Detroit or whatever, you can maybe see that, you know, that that the difference between being a very good football X's and O's coach and being a leader of men and somebody who can who can uh, lead a team, you know, who can lead a team year after year after year. Yeah, no, it's it's hard. I would say that, you know, Kyle wasn't overtime in the Super Bowl. And um, I think he's out. I, I don't know. I'm on record as saying I think he's the best coach in the league, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have flaws. And those flaws can be flared up from time to time. So, and, uh, you know, the personnel management side has certainly been an area that he's had to work on. All right, uh, quickly, Mitch, on the way out here, um, the reason I was specifically excited to have you on and talking about this offensive staff is you love your O-line play as a former O-lineman yourself. How do you see the the kind of the run game, the protection stuff coming together with this staff and, and knowing what Cliff has done in the past? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about how it's coming together because I think there's going to be wholesale changes on that offensive line until we get a better idea of kind of those guys that they're going to bring in. Uh, to me, I think Sam Cosby is the only starter that, that really should be should be expected to be back in that starting role. And, and if, you know, you draft the left tackle and you need him to, you know, get NFL ready for a little bit, maybe Charles Leno sticks around as, you know, kind of your gap starting left tackle. But certainly in Cliff Kingsbury offenses in the past, the ball gets out quickly and the offensive line doesn't have to, you know, hold blocks for a while. But then you look at kind of the creativeness of the 49ers run game with Anthony Lynn, and you kind of have, you know, you kind of have opposing ideas of how to form an offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two work together. And Cliff is able to implement his passing game while also working with Anthony Lynn on what that running game is going to look like, because 
you think about some of the mauling guys that the that the Niners have on that offensive line, and it doesn't exactly gel with the type of passing game that Cliff Kingsbury wants to bring in. So um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it plays out, and I think that uh, once we hit free agency, we'll have a pretty good idea because uh, they should be looking to, to add a, a bunch of help in the first couple of days of the kind of legal tampering period uh, as we get going there. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be pretty fascinating. Uh, we did our first mock draft on Take Command today, and we wound up uh, having a pretty good selection. There was like four offensive linemen that we liked uh, at pick 40, nevertheless pick 36. So it does feel like that's ultimately going to be a direction they're going to be able to address some in the draft. But as you mentioned, free agency first. I think we'll also get a much better uh, look at things then. Uh, Mitch Tischler, Beltway Football Podcast. Make sure that you check uh, he and JP out. Uh, Mitch, thanks so much, as always, for your time here on the radio, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. That is Mitch Tischler. Uh, When we get back here on the Hoffman Show, we will wrap up our broadcast day with real things real people said into real microphones. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Um, Just a weird day to do a sports show, to be honest. Um, Obviously, uh, an eye on what's happened in Kansas City. The official police update, 21 uh, victims, one dead. Uh, Again, about a dozen children being treated at Kansas City's Mercy Hospital um, with gunshot wounds. Uh, There was a a look, there's video of, of... some civilians tackling one of the gunmen who had like an AK-47 style, so an assault style weapon. Um, and you can see the gun. It's it's terrifying. And, um, you know, it's just... What I'm about to say is not a macro commentary on policing, just so no one takes it and runs with it and is like, Craig, that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there were 800 police there and that thing made it into the crowd. And it's just like horrifying that that can happen um and that's not like a criticism necessarily i mean obviously they and and we all wish that 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 somehow someone had seen that um but it's just it's wild to physically see that weapon um that ultimately was used and and you know we've got now 21 uh people who are hurt one at the very least who is dead uh i did see a report of a second victim but uh or a second fatality but uh, one, according to the official police statistics right now, and um, the ultimate expression of American joy, Super Bowl parade, uh, leads to the ultimate American tragedy in a mass shooting. And it's just, it's a weird day to then turn around and be like, all right, so let's talk about the coaching staff. Let's go, let's go play a basketball game. But, um, you know, life, life continues forward for the rest of us and, um, Let's just hope we don't have, I guess, all you can do. I don't say this flippantly. I don't say this to, to pass the buck. It just is. Like, I just hope there are, there are fewer and far, uh, far between days like this where we have to talk about these things, um, whether in sports or not, because um, it's, it's horrible. It's tragic uh, in a very literal sense. Tragic. Um, tomorrow on the show... Uh, we will, I think we're going to have field Yates on. He put out his first mock draft, uh, and he said he's got a super busy schedule, but he said he was going to try to find uh, a window for us. Uh, so we'll do that. Also, uh, and we're going to do our first ever NBA tiers. We did NFL tiers all season long on Thursdays. Uh, we're going to do that with the NBA as we head into the all-star break, who are our prime contenders, who are, who's interesting, but not good enough. 
I think it's going to be pretty interesting to put that list together. I feel like the prime contenders list is wild in part because there isn't anybody that's separated out in the way that some of the NFL teams did. This is going to be a fun exercise tomorrow. Probably 5.30 tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. Um, we did take command today. We did a mock draft. Uh, if you don't get a chance to listen to that, I think we'll probably play part of that for you on the show tomorrow. Anything else we got uh, dialed up, Anthony? Nah, we don't. Okay. And tomorrow's really your last day. Yeah, tomorrow's my Friday. Tomorrow's my Friday. Uh, taking I'm jealous. Family time this weekend, uh, and then and then off to uh, or some time off because I haven't taken time off since uh, since at least August, if not July. And I work six days a week throughout the entire season. Good your gracious. boy, your boy needs a break. Yeah. And then I'm gonna come back Monday, and I'm gonna do the show from here, and then I'm gonna go to Indy on Tuesday. So you're just on the move. On the move, bro. On the move. All right. Uh, what do we have in the Real Things folder? Uh, we got a couple of things. Uh, it's time for Real Things Real People Said into Real Microphones to close out this year Wednesday edition of the show. Real Things. We're not going to be this year. Real People. 5 and 11. Not very good. Said into Real Microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good. All right, it's Valentine's Day. Anthony went all out for Valentine's Day. Um, he, good good job out of you, sir. Uh, but perhaps if you need a little help, the Brooklyn Nets are here with their best pickup lines. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, that's nice. You look lovely. Okay, cool. That's all I got. That's all I got. You look lovely. I hope I can win with that. I believe in following my dreams. Can I have your Instagram? That's not going to work. <laughs> Can I do a new one? That was terrible. Is your name Google? Because you have everything I've been searching for. That's good. That's good. All right. Do you believe in love at first sight? Or should I walk by again? Classic. Ooh. I must be in heaven because there's an angel sitting right in front of me. Is your name Wi-Fi? Because I think I'm feeling a connection. Life without you is like a broke. All right. Life without you is like a broken pencil. Pointless. Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. Come on, man. Do, do you have a good line? There's a couple There's a couple decent ones in there. No. My go-to uh, was, uh, do you have a Band-Aid? I scraped my knee falling for you. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. Did that ever work? No. Yeah, no. You want to know why? Because pickup lines don't work. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Wizards basketball in an hour here on the Team 980.